So have you guys ever been in a fight? <laughs> oh, fuck yes. Yeah. Not like, for a long like, time, Like, though. fisticuffs? Like, yeah. full-on punch someone in the face? Oh, yeah. That's exciting. Have you not? No. I'm, I, a, I'm a girl. We just bitch slap. Well, I mean, also, you do karate. I do karate, so I've accidentally hit people before. There's, like, the psychological warfare of girls. Like, more in, like, I'm talking about high school and oh, stuff. Oh, heck yeah. Here. It's more psychological for us than Fucking anything. savage. Oh, it's yeah. it's psychological with me, too. It's stop hitting yourself. Stop hitting yourself. Yeah. yeah. Right? So that, that hurts physically and, and emotionally. I, uh, <laughs> I haven't been in a fight Stay. for a long time. I've been in a fight. Like, I think literally... Like, I was maybe, like, 19 or 20, like, mm-hmm. the last time. But, no. yeah. Do you feel like you age out of fighting at some point? Um, I think you look down on it more. Yeah. When it ca- when it happens, you're like, F- really? This is what we've come to? But also, I have been at that point of anger where it seemed like the logical choice. Where I'm like, oh, well, now i got to murder you. So, because there's nothing else now. There's no between now. It's there's, just murder. There's nothing else. <laughs> and, by the way, it will be your fault. And everybody yeah. will believe me when I say that. <laughs> but, no, not for a long time. But, yes, I have. At this point, I'm willing to let my lawyer do it for me. Fair. With the words. Yeah. Again, I, emotional damage first, and then they will fight me, and then I can sue them. Mm, then, I I, then, I, then I win for life. I think I have a problem with overkill, which is why I shouldn't fight. Not that I'm like, I'm super tough, I'm going to murder everybody. But I mean, just in general, like, arguments or anything, I have that, like, Ender's Game kind of mentality. It's like, I will win all of the battles, and you will never do this to me again. But if that was, like, a fight fight, it would be, like... Oh, I'm winning. So now I'll kill you. Like, it's <laughs> murder. <laughs> it's a mimic, the round table Dungeons and Dragons discussion where you never know what you're going to get. Welcome to another episode in our conversation on classes. I'm Adam, and with me today are Megan and Terry, and this episode is called Fighters Going Brawls to the Wall. We've previously covered the Battlemaster, Champion, and Eldritch Knight in our first. Fighters episode, which started off with a breakdown of the regular class features and level progression. In our second fighter episode, we went over the Arcane Archer, Cavalier, and Samurai, as well as the sections in Xanathar's Guide to Everything, which encouraged players to think about a fighter's heraldic sign, instructor, and signature style. And the last time we covered fighters, which was only like 15 episodes ago, we went over the Echo Knight and the much maligned Purple Dragon Knight, as well as the new optional features in Tash's Cauldron of Everything. You can find these episodes, as well as our other class episodes, on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and dozens of other podcast apps, or you can jump over to YouTube and dig into the entire playlist on classes that we've built there. This episode of the It's a Mimic podcast returns to Tasha's Cauldron of Everything to cover the fighter subclasses listed there. The panel of Dungeon Masters here is finally going to catch up to the last fighter archetypes and explore the options of both the Rune Knight and the Psy Warrior. So, put on your tinfoil hats and make some rune for these not-so-gentle giants on the battlefield. I fucking hate you. <laughs> uh-huh. but, but before we get started, I want to ask you two, specifically, because you, except for Dave, are the two most combat-oriented hosts on the podcast. Fighty, smitey. Yeah, exactly. Well, not no, I mean like in real life. Like, you saw literal combat, and you are scary, <laughs> Megan. Like, fair, fair, yeah. fair, fair, fair. No, but, but you are like martial master. training. You guys both have been, like, legitimately trained by people that Megan know what they're doing. front kick me through the stomach. <laughs> <laughs> and I would never dare breathe again. <laughs> uh, is there a fighter subclass that you'd like to see next? Have, are we missing something? Mm. Let's uh, let's roll initiative. Sure. Which one do you want, Megan? Oh, that's closer to me so I can reach sure. it. I got a six. I got a six, too. Roll off, Terry. Eight. Roll off. One. I get a six again. Okay. All right. So, Megan? Um, I would like to have a mental fighter that tells you to stop hitting yourself. 
A bully. You like a bully? <laughs> just a bully? a bully? I kind of like that, though. The idea. Well, no, I don't approve of bullying, obviously. Like, I feel yeah. like there's enough psionic capabilities within other D&D, like, games mm-hmm. where you can force people to do things. But again, I like the idea of just telling Like the telepathic beat yourself up shit? Beat yourself up, but you get to use a fighter's dice when they hit themselves. Like, they use your strength when they hit themselves. Not mm-hmm. their own, like, 1d4 for unarmed fucking bullshit damage. Like, if you actually convince someone to hit themselves, it's for keeps. Yeah. Hmm. <laughs> that's how I feel anyway. That, that's dark. I have a dark person. <laughs> um, I am. I want to see an ooze based fighter. And that is because I want to see Dalzim from Street Fighter. I mm, want that guy right. that can just stretch his limbs 15 feet away and punch the guy over there. Has like reach as a fighter. Yeah. Yeah. That just like. I guess maybe that's more monk, but I really like that for fighter. The ability to. Control your own body on the battlefield in ways that Battlemaster's controlling everybody else, mm-hmm. yeah. right? I, I just like that idea of being kind of wobbly, slippery, kind of, like, like, Mr. Fantastic kind of shit. Good right? dodge mechanics added to that yes. as well. Yeah, yes. I like that. I want to see something more more along the lines of wrestling, um, or even, like, even like a, like a jujitsu type thing. Like, something where there's pinning involved, maybe some sort of, uh, like a choke or something. So now you, there's very, there's a lot of rules in the game that you can kind of manipulate for this situation based on whether your arm is pinned in, like, an armbar or you're getting choked out or something. Or... It's like giving more detailed rules to grapple that yeah. actually cause damage exactly. and injury. Yeah. And, and it limits mobility uh, and all kinds of stuff. So, yeah, so something where uh, grappling can be explored more. I like that. Do you, Megan? Do. You like grappling more? That's the that's the thing. Maybe you would fall in love with that. Uh, Maybe that, if I can cause class. damage from grappling, I would like it more. Uh, you should be. What was the um the barbarian dwarf from Sword Coast? We did a, a battle rager. He's got all spikes. the armor spikes, and so you grapple and do damage. I feel like there's a theme for me. Yeah. <laughs> you and dwarf. Am I the villain? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Okay. We keep telling you. One hundred. Please don't hurt us. But, uh, me too. So I'm like, I'll. Yeah. I'm an enabler for this stuff. Yeah. Uh, are you Slytherin as well? Me, absolutely. Yeah, okay. I knew I was sitting with two of you at the yeah. table. God, you two and James. I can't have the three of you. It'll just James be the most evil well. episode. Of yeah. He yeah, he's absolutely evil. Um, all right, so let's go over what a fighter does normally. I'm going to just run through this really quickly. We've covered this already in the first one and the third one. Um, and it's just a good place to get a touchstone before we move on to the classes. Or the subclasses, rather. So... First of all, with a fighter, you get the 1d10 uh, hit points per fighter level. That means at a first level, you get 10 plus your con modifier. Then everyone after that, you get 1d10 plus your con modifier, and you roll randomly. And if your DM makes you take that one, that he's the cruel, cruel person. Cruel, cruel mistress. Yeah. When it comes to proficiencies, you are proficient with all armor, all weapons, and no tools. Because you are not here to be proficient with tools. You are here to, it's in the name. To, to fight. Not even a hammer? No proficient with a hammer? I guess you're proficient with like a war hammer. You had a war pick. That's one of the one of the a weapons. War pick. <laughs> Every problem's a nail, I guess. <laughs> um your saving thrones are strength and constitution. And your skills, uh you get two between acrobatics, animal handling, athletics, history, insight, intimidation, perception, and survival. So you're fighty. That's that's what you do. You fight things. Yep. Animal handling is in there in case you're that kind of fighter that wants a mount. Um, history is there for the battle master, the the like general, hmm. um, and uh, insight, intimidation, and and uh, survival are in there just so that you don't 
become entirely useless in yeah. the rest of the game. <laughs> Are we fighting anything? No, we're not fighting anything. <laughs> Calm Absolutely down. Absolutely not. <laughs> um, when it comes to the progression of uh, the levels, at first level you get a fighting style. There are a whole bunch of them, and we covered them in depth in the last uh, Fighters episode. So right near the beginning, so you can jump over and check out that one. There's also Second Wind, which is this extra little well of stamina that you get so that on your turn... You can blow a bonus action to regain hit points equal to 1d10 plus your fighter level. And then you got to finish a rest, short or long. Hmm. At second level, uh, you get an action surge, which you only get one use of. And on your turn, you can do one additional action on top of your regular action. It's not a whole other turn. It's just another action. At third level, you get your martial archetype, which is your subclass. And then whatever features come with it at third level. Fourth level is an ability score improvement or a feat, which is standard. That's where everybody gets them. Fifth level is an extra attack. So now you can take your... If you take an attack action for your action, you can now attack twice. This is not another action. You don't get to attack twice with a bonus action. This is just when you use your action, you attack twice now instead of once if you're going to attack. At sixth level, you get another ability score improvement, which is real early, uh, or a feat. You get seven of these across your entire progression. Most people, I think, get four. Hmm. So all the other classes get four. Fighters get seven. So Ability score improvement? Yeah. Yep. Or, or feats. Or feats. And um, we're going to talk about feats in a future episode. And it's, it's, yeah, feats. I know it sounds, it right, sounds get funny. Get right in your kink jokes. Now. I was going to say, yeah, that's going to be in the episode. After Dark episode. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, uh, at seventh level, you get another subclass feature. At eighth level, more feats. Uh, or an ability score improvement at ninth level, though, you get Indomitable. Uh, you get one use of this, and that means that you can re-roll a saving throw that you fail. But if you do, you have to use the new result. Um, and you only get to do this once per long rest. It feels, when you get that, I remember as being a champion fighter, it feels underwhelming at the time because the other classes will be getting some really cool stuff, but it's fucking useful. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And as a matter of fact, Dan watched his fighter lay face down in the mud more than once and then realized afterwards, ah, oh, fuck, indomitable shit. Oh, I think he right. wrote yeah. it in block capitals. Giant yeah. letters yeah. across and top still of did not see yeah, it. I used to forget as well, yeah. Tenth level is another martial archetype feature, which again, subclass. Eleventh uh, level is your next attack. So now when you take an attack action for your action, you get three. Uh, and then you get your ability score improvement or feats at number 12. Uh, 13, another round of Indomitable. Uh, that's when I feel it really pays off. I have always allowed someone... Um, I let Dan and you, Terry, do this more than once. Where if you failed, you could re-roll with Indomitable. And if you failed again, I'd let you use your second. Because you failed. Right. And I think that's rules as written. Does that seem overpowered to you guys? Um, you're still losing it no matter what. And it's not like you can do it multiple times over and over and over again in that capacity. Like, yeah, that's that's it. Right? Yeah, like now when you, you use it, you're done. And I find that especially with fighters, and I find with like any martial type class, that when you fail your rolls, you're fucking sitting duck and you do nothing. Yeah, yeah. So like, I feel like if that happens, I would give them that saving grace. But again. imagine the lowest low you'll feel if you fail both of those indomitable rolls. Yes. And that that's a DM pleasure of just like. <laughs> but they're also like, what do you want? I tried. Here yeah, we go. You exactly. Know? I gave you the bone. Like, Sometimes you, know. you dice Yes. Shit. Yeah, I bet you did. Uh, 
14th level, there's another feats or ability score improvement. At 15th level, more subclass bullshit. And at 16th level, more feats. Lots of feats. So yeah. many feats. Uh, so many it's feats. good, though, as a fighter. Uh, this I'm is like itch. Like, I want to I wanna roll a fighter up again. Oh, uh, with all those feats? Yeah, it starts to feel like a Quentin Tarantino. Play. Yeah, it's more <laughs> shoes for me, but I'll take the feats. All right. Sure. So. <laughs> you said we can't king shame. I'm not king shame. I mentioned one kink, and I feel instant shame. Huh? Did you just admit that feet are your kink? Choose, choose, but it doesn't matter. <laughs> I stuttered when I said it. I stuttered when I said it. Could you put some sh- sh- shoes on? Let me just take my that, shoes off. That was Don't very British. This. Like, you couldn't quite get, like, you, we're, we're working there. You're going to get there. Yeah. Another couple more years in Canada and you'll be able I to I know. Let me get that out. citizenship wrapped up. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, at 17th level, uh, you get another round of action surge. And you get another round of indomitable. So, that's two action surges and three Indomitables, which means that you can do a whole bunch of shit on your turn now, which is great, but you had to get up to 17th level in Tier 4 to get this far. This is also when you get your plus 6 proficiency modifier, so you're, you're pretty damn powerful. Hopefully you didn't multi-class early. Yeah. To say a warlock, for example. <laughs> <laughs> um, fighters get a lot of shit for this because it comes so late in the game, and wizards are blowing just huge spells at this point, and you're like, hey, I can... Roll again if I fail a save. That's that's, that's what I'm talking about. Yeah. But it's useful though. Yeah, you know, it's that's not why you showy. Allow. Yeah. Um, at 18th level, more subclass bullshit. At 19th level, you get more ability score improvements or feats. Uh, that's the last feats, and then you're done. You, no you're more feats. For this you. is your last feats, and then you're out of here. <laughs> yeah. And then at 20th level, you get another attack. So that's four as an attack action. So. Um, which is a lot, the most that you will ever get in this game, unless you're blowing key points as a monk like someone crazy. So um, now I want to talk about the other thing that we... It's its often the elephant in the room um, when it comes to martial um, combat. Not a lot of people rely on it as heavily as I do in my games. Megan absolutely hates it, and that is the combat maneuvers. I don't mean Battlemaster. I mean the combat maneuvers that you're given in the player's handbook. Which are grappling and uh, and shoving. Those are the two, and I wanted to talk about Stupid. those really briefly. Yeah. Because as a fighter, I love it. you <laughs> don't have a whole lot of options, but these options are actually really solid for you in ways that they're not going to be great for other classes, right? Because your strength should be through the roof, especially with all those ASIs that you're getting all the way through, right? So. So many feats. And so many feats. So, for grappling, the way that it works in fifth edition, because. I was looking into it in 3.5 before this episode, and I forgot that there were two pages of grappling rules. There are so many conditions. In 3.5? Oh, yeah. That's because if someone, if you grapple someone, they can grapple you right back. Oh, <gasps> jiu-jitsu. Kind of. But then there are <laughs> so, so many rolls. So, um, Is that jiu-jitsu, Joe? That's what they, uh, call, yeah, they call it rolling, right? Yeah, oh, yeah. We don't know. So, anyway, <laughs> was that a pun? Uh, we'll keep going. Close enough. So, uh, for grappling, you use an attack action to make what's considered a special melee attack. Um, if you're able to make multiple attacks with your attack action, like a fighter is able to do, then this only takes one. It doesn't take your whole action. It only takes one of them. It's really beneficial to do this with the first one, especially when you've got three or four attacks a turn. Um, and you're going to find out why. The target of your grapple, though, has to be no more than one size larger than you, which means you can grapple a horse, but not an elephant. Fair. Yeah, uh, and it has sense. to be within your reach, obviously. 
uh, you have to have one free hand to seize the target. Uh, and then you roll an athletics check, and they roll an athletics or acrobatics to contest it. Higher wins. So, okay. uh, if you succeed, your subject is grappled. They have the grappled condition. I've never experienced that in my life. Um, you can release the <laughs> grapple whenever you want without an action. There's no requirement. You can just let go at any point, and it's absolutely fine. I will even let this happen on someone else's turn without using a reaction. Mm-hmm. Just, no, that's dumb. I release my grip. Mm-hmm. That I, I am grappling the horse and it is falling off the cliff. I, I'm choosing not to go with it. So, um, willpower roll. <laughs> yeah, that was a thing in 3.5. Oh, I know, I yeah. remember. Yeah, <laughs> um, there when it comes to escaping a grapple, mine are always nat ones. Willpower every time. Here we go. Oh my god, another one. Are, are there shoes involved? I have no ability to withstand this. There's, I have no willpower. <laughs> I have a negative modifier. <laughs> um, when it comes to escaping a grapple, a grappled creature has to use its whole action to escape, no matter how many multi-attack uh, options it has or what other kind of crazy shit it can do. It has to use its action to escape. And again, they've got to succeed on athletics or acrobatics against your athletics, mm-hmm. right? So when you are grappling, it is beneficial to have a whole lot of strength and have taken proficiency in athletics, right? This is how you're going to be able to do really well with grappling. And honestly, really only the barbarian and the fighter are set up to do that naturally. Taking uh, notes. The paladin can as well, but I feel like people are putting that a lot of that shit into some of the other Well, paladin stats. is a charisma-based character. Yeah. It's it's hard to make that balance. Um, you can move a grappled creature, though. When you move, you can drag or carry them with you, but your speed is halved uh, unless they're two or more sizes smaller than you. So it's not halved if you're moving a cat. Sure. It is if you're moving a halfling. Anybody that has tried to wrestle with a four-year-old just to get them to go to bed on time... Knows that you are not moving at full speed. Yeah, that's a... You are protecting your junk as you carry them up the stairs. That's disadvantage. Yeah, right. (laughs) Um, When it comes to the grappled condition itself, uh, grappled creature speed is zero, and it can't benefit from any bonuses to speed. Uh, Also, um, the condition can end if the grappler is incapacitated, or if there's an effect like Thunder Wave that forces a distance between the two. Otherwise, their speed is zero. And that's it. When you're grappled, you can still attack. Just because you have grappled someone doesn't mean that you have uh, uh, advantage on attacking them, although you'd think that it, it would line up that way. Right? I feel like when you're being grappled by somebody and, like, your arms, and you, you've got, like, a long sword and you're like, meh, like, that makes sense that you kind of have, it's not as what about the great. dagger? The three attacks with the dagger? Pop, pop, pop. Right in there. <laughs> Is that the noise it makes? Okay. Pop, pop, pop. Here's the thing. All right, here's the thing. Right I didn't now. know why when Megan laughed then... <laughs> My mind went, oh, she thinks that's good. And then the other half of my brain went, no, she's laughing at you. Because you're <laughs> fucking ridiculous. I was like, yeah, she liked that. I love that you're confused about what I'm laughing at. About, about everything all of the time. I feel like I've instilled a lot of fear in a lot of people. And I like that about myself. <laughs> yes. That, that, is, that is accurate. Yes, ma'am. Phenomenal. <laughs> I like that. Fantastic. Uh, we don't think shame here, Adam. <laughs> Me? <laughs> Anyway, the um, the thing about grappling is your strength, so your athletics versus athletics versus acrobatics, you reduce their movement to zero and you can drag their asses around the battlefield. Now, one of the things that I've done to great success with grappling is carry people off to a ledge and then let go. Yeah. It's my favorite. I approve. 
Yeah. I think I was at one point I was grappled and dropped into a fire. Uh, yes, I have done that into fire. I have done that uh, off of bridges. I have done it off of cliffs. I like. I love it. Dragons can do that. <laughs> yep. <laughs> it's not a dragon episode. You don't have Sorry. to pick them up and drop okay, them. Stop it. <laughs> um, the other thing that you can do, which a lot of people forget that they can do, is shove. It's the same thing. If you use the attack action, you use one of the attacks to roll a athletics versus their athletics or acrobatics, and you shove them. You can do one of two things. You can knock them back five feet, or you can knock them prone. Do you find it weird that it's athletics and not strength for shoving? Well, athletics is strength-based, so that's why. Because if you choose it, if you choose to be proficient with it at the beginning of character creation, you will get bonuses beyond simply just your strength. You also get your proficiency modifier, and then you got levels of rogue or something else. You're stacking extra proficiency modifiers on top of it. You just be really good at shoving. Yeah, I guess you're not like acrobatic when you're shoving somebody. Yeah, doing it with grace, just (laughs) meh. Well, in theory, like, I'm pretty sure that Jackie Chan could shove me across the room without using too much of his upper body strength. Oh, 100%. It would be like that jacket wrap of your, like, yeah. forearms and just, like, throw you over a cliff. 100%. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> that was very specific. And, I yeah. I him. <laughs> Go um, ahead. <laughs> so, remember... what we're talking about. Remember, <laughs> when you push somebody, when you shove them and you push them five feet away, that does not incur uh, opportunity attacks because they only uh, occur when... The creatures moving of their own volition. Willingly, right. yeah. Okay, so uh, when you're prone, uh, you have no other option except to crawl unless you stand up, which takes half your movement. The other thing about it is creatures have disadvantage on attack rolls against the, against the prone creature unless you're within five feet. And then you have advantage. So melee attacks are with advantage. Range attacks are with disadvantage when they go down. So knocking somebody down will then really benefit the rogue that's standing on the other side of them. Hmm. So sometimes shoving can be very, very beneficial. And again, shoving somebody off of a cliff is fantastic. Although I'm not sure why you would do that unless you're out of your movement. Like, I would rather grapple, carry, and let go. Sure, yeah. Glad that you would rather grapple, Terry. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I said grapple, carry, and let go. Who's Carrie? Yeah. Who's Carrie? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Um, I have a couple of questions, so let's grab our dice. Yes! Right. Do you want white or black? Name my sex tape. <laughs> okay. 16. I got a natural 20, so I will, I will be I'll be answering my own questions. As is first. tradition. Yes. The first question is, how do you feel about grappling in 5th edition? Oh, God. <laughs> I really think that it got neutered compared to previous editions. In previous editions, they, it was complicated. It was intense, and it was a thing that you always had to worry about. If the DM was going to go grapple you with an NPC, you were in fucking trouble. You are praying your dice are going to work in your favor. And also, grappling really helped. It it didn't feel like a waste of a turn. Mm, Right. So I like that it's not taking up your entire attack, although this doesn't feel good for rogues or fighty bards or fighty warlocks even, who still just have that one attack. Right, and they have to use that to grapple, and and that's it. And they're not even stopping the other person from doing anything except moving. Mm-hmm. It's weird that grapple just like ties up their ankles. It right. just like I feel like it should do more than that. It feels cheap, but it also feels very streamlined and simple compared to previous editions as well. I kind of like it, and I use it like beware when a cliff enters the battle map. 
you're, there, there may be grappling coming. Noted. Yeah. I, you should have figured that one out by now. Okay, but grappling happens anywhere, so I can't. <laughs> there is yeah, no, but there is it no would clue. especially happen there. If, you, if you're like, oh, I can never predict when the grappling's coming. But maybe this time, probably. Well, mm-hmm. I know. Yeah. You do what you want. Uh, also, I did a lot of grappling off of pirate ships in the last Yeah, game. and like, yeah. there's no consistency in your game. Like, that's, <laughs> grappling just always happens. Um, how do you feel about grappling, Terry? Uh, grappling is a, like with a lot of my characters, it is a thankless job. <laughs> like, you will grapple someone for the good of the party. Hey, I've restricted all of their movement, so they're in this one place. And then fucking disintegrate, fireball, whatever. All of the bullshit happens. Then everyone's like, congratulations, guys. I'm blasting the big spell. All of the big spells and killing the dude. And you're like, I kept them in the same spot so they couldn't do anything. And it's a thankless job. And if it fails, as you say, it's a waste of a turn. And I fucking hate that. It's not a waste of a whole action, even, but it feels like a waste. It right? feels like, it, you don't you don't get the reward that you you wanted to get, and I think it's because it's not always obvious what you're trying to do. Mm-hmm. I think it only really works in a PC's favor if you are playing at a smaller table, because there's less actions between your turn and your next turn for things to get fucked up. Right when you've got six people, you're like fuck. You're this. like by the time it gets to your turn, something else has happened. It's dead. Like you you didn't get to do anything with or it. Or so. if you're at a table with Dan. It's because he will just do the exact opposite of whatever the agreed upon plan was. Yeah. Oh, I remember that. <laughs> I remember. Hey, dick, I'm trying to get us in the obvious correct position. Dan can play his character as he likes. I'm sure I've frustrated him many times, but... Yeah. Nope, nope, not once. <laughs> was that like oh, a... is Terry there? <laughs> oh, my oh, he was grappling. I wasn't paying attention. I was, I was running rap. I was running laps around the uh, battlefield, uh, and I jumped in a toilet. So. having a small job. No, because I played at smaller tables where I have successfully grappled and thrown things in the water. Mm. I have done that in campaigns, but it happened at tables that were four or smaller. Uh, anytime I played at a table that's five or larger, anytime I grapple someone, there's no fucking point. You should have gone in the water with them because you can definitely hold your breath longer than that thing. Just I've, hold, well, let's talk about yeah, hold your them in there. Hold them in there. Wait until they go unconscious and then turn them invisible and off you go. I think I yeeted one of your special daggers in the water with one. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> That's one of those things that sometimes I still remember but like as I'm like driving to work and I start thinking about D&D and your mind wanders and it, I remember that often. So. <laughs> You're welcome. Um, one of the things that I like to do is grapple on the next turn. Because you guys are talking about, you know, it, it can go to waste. There's, you know, you never know what's going to happen between now and your next turn. I will run up and get my two attacks in. And then at the beginning of the next round, grapple. And then walk that person 15 feet and then drop them off yeah. the cliff. Fuck well. those guys. Right. So the grapple is always my round two plan. It's not my round one plan. Yeah, right? Not um, your movement action kind of plan. Yeah. Shove is my round one plan. I want you over there right fucking now. Get, yeah. get into that fire or that puddle of acid or that wall of force, whatever it is. In you go. Right? I'm going to shove you into the gust of wind and into the geyser and up. <laughs> yes. So, um, I like shoving. I, I think that is a great thing. I hate that it's the exact same mechanic. Yeah. It feels again... Streamlined, which is good, cheap and easy, which is bad. Like it doesn't feel earned. Mm-hmm. Um, I do like being able to knock people prone as a DM. That's always really scary, especially when you're surrounded by a whole bunch of kobolds. Suddenly, the kobolds become scary when all of them have advantage before your turn when you get to stand up. Kobolds are great. Kobolds are great, uh, especially when there's eight of them around you and you get knocked the fuck down. However, I'm not. Crazy about the push five feet. I get I get that out of grapple. How, yeah. do, you, how do you feel about it, Terry? 
Uh, it's just underwhelming for me. It, we got to change something. That five feet is not enough. Uh, I feel the, what you're trying to achieve with a shove, you're right, Adam. You can achieve with a grapple, but you still have more options with grapple. So if you grapple them and then you're like, you have to change your mind based on something else at the table or whatever, you can do that and you still have more options. So yeah, I'm glad it's there, but I don't often use it. I'll, I'll try and do what I'm trying to achieve with grapple. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like it needs to be an added, because if, again, five feet is not that far, so it's almost like they would have to have some kind of a disadvantage on their next turn. I wish it was scalable. Yeah. Like, depending on, on what whatever condition, you can go five and then ten and then fifteen. Whatever, feet. however, like, strong your, your shove was, basically. How yeah. hard did you beat them? Because, like, I feel like the whole point of shoving someone out of the way is to move them out of the way of the, 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 the squishy characters that are right there. But on their next turn, they're just going to move five feet back. It's not It's, it's not really going to hurt them in any way, shape, or form. So I feel like there has to be some kind of a disadvantage where they're disorientated, so they have disadvantage or something along those lines. Hmm. Like, it's if you get shoved by a human being, like, if you ever remember being pushed by someone, like, legitimately where you lose your footing and step back, like, you're not going to have the momentum to move forward immediately. Yeah. Like, there has to be some kind of a movement disadvantage or an attack. Like, you lose, they lose five feet off of their movement the next round or something like or, that. Or you just lose focus or I something. If it incurred attacks of opportunity, I'd be all over it. Yeah. Because it's often you're in a situation where, especially in the martial classes, where there's there's two of you on the same person. Yeah. And so an, an attack of opportunity from both of you would be very valuable. Uh, so, yeah, if it didn't incur attacks of opportunity, I'd be, I'd be all over it. I'd use it a lot. Yeah. Do you guys ever think about using either shove or grapple on allies to get them out of fucking trouble? Uh, no, but love <laughs> I feel, it. I feel like I've used it a few times, but usually they do Pick it up, one. Dan's. No, no. You sit I, over here. I've, yeah. I've moved Dan's character <laughs> yeah. multiple times in campaigns. Because like emotionally just, move him? Or? Uh, yes, absolutely. Yeah. Yes, the answer is yes. Um, but no, like, I, like I've picked up and moved characters because like you're being stupid. Or yeah. I've picked them up and held them and been like, stop doing what you're I doing. I should have thought about that because I often think about like the opposites of what a spell or an ability seems initially intended for like yeah. how can i use this in the reverse and I, i've never thought of that actually okay so i'm gonna hit you guys with some rapid fire shit that's from 3.5 and also from second edition pathfinder these are other combat maneuvers that fifth edition doesn't have and then i want to know what your favorite one is so i'm gonna just kind of rattle these off real quick okay okay so in 3.5 we have aid another which we still have aid or help in fifth edition right yeah uh, you have charge, which gives you uh, minus two to your AC and plus two to hit, and then plus two to bull rush. Bull rush, of course, is when you push with the charge. So you have to move a, a minimum amount of feet ahead of time, and then you um, push that person out of the way. And anyone can do that, or just fighters? Anyone. Okay. Uh, you have the ability to disarm. So it's an it's a contested role, right? Which would be something along the lines of strength versus sleight of hand, mm. for example, right? To be able to knock whatever they're holding out of their hand. This was particularly brutal in three point five against things like spellcasting focus and spell components and shit. So oh, now all 100%. of a sudden, yeah. So yeah. Um, there's faint, which is not fainting like passing out. It's f e i n t like you are faking a movement, okay. um, which hurts uh, their AC. Uh, on the next attack, so you will have a, a, a bonus to get them uh, the next attack by you. So you pretend to go left, but instead you go right on the next turn. Um, they get all sorts of insight checks and shit against that. Um, you have the ability to pin. Love it. But it's usually attached to the idea of grappling. Yeah. 
it's I think what you do on the next turn after grapple, it doesn't exist in fifth edition. Mm-hmm. Um, and then overrun, which again is charge, but you run through your opponent's space. So you go essentially through it. There's a whole bunch of negative things that can happen to them. You know how you cannot occupy the same space as your opponent? This one lets you, and it fucks them up. So you either do damage or <laughs> knock them over or push them away. I'm in. Or... I just imagine this social yeah. anxiety person being like, you're in my bubble. Yeah. <laughs> no, touching, no touching, no touching, no touching, no touching. No touching, I love touching people. I wish <laughs> yeah, I know, like, Terry. Physical touch it's is awkward. your uh, love language? Is that what you're saying? Oh, I will, often I will try and ba- break the uh, the touch barrier with someone. Hey, man, don't worry about like that. And then I'm like, okay, now I've touched you. We're a bit closer. It's okay. But otherwise, before that, it's a, like it's a lot of this. And I don't like that. I like to. I finish. remember the first time that Dan hugged you, and you you did that like freeze moment because it was. Unexpected. I didn't expect, but Dan, what Dan doesn't realize, and I like I've said it to Dan before, he could essentially be Thor if he applied himself. Okay, uh, he, like, he is, he's a physically large. When you frame first to meet Dan, he's a big, hulking, handsome man that comes at you like, in, but he's so friendly. He's like a Saint Bernard. He comes at you and he's like, "Hey, what's up?" And you're like, "Oh, crap. And then you're like in this hug, and then he lets go of you, and you're like, "Is that okay? Was that legal? Is everything all right there?" Um, uh, so yeah, I don't think I've ever really hugged Dan. I don't think I've ever heard anybody say Saint Bernard before. <laughs> what we call it, it's a Saint Bernard, right? My best, my best mate's dad's name's Bernard. Actually, he's a lovely guy. I love that for him. <laughs> in in Pathfinder Second Edition, um, faint is replaced with the idea of dirty trick. Which means you get to throw sand in their eyes or something else. It essentially amounts to the same thing. Yeah. Um, but instead of just psyching them out with your movements, you're actually doing something like pocket sand, <laughs> pocket sand, or jersey over the head, something yeah. like 100%, that. One hundred percent. That should be a thing. Um, there's uh, drag and reposition are separate things besides grapple, um, but they're all like tied up in um, grapple in fifth edition. Uh, disarm becomes steel, so you don't just knock it out of their hand; you take it from them. Sure. There's the ability to sunder, which is when you break the item they are holding. And there are special rules about that. Then there's the ability to trip or throw. And trip essentially just knocks them prone, which is what shove does. There used to be weapons that would let you, on a successful hit, do damage and knock them prone. The whip used to do that in 3.5. The whip? Chain whip, I think, was one of them. Oh. That lets you do that. It had like a, like a spike... I got a hook on the end of it. I'm going to add that to my repertoire. Oh, chain whip. Yeah, that damn. Okay. <laughs> I'm adding this to my Tinder profile. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, uh, and yeah, and then the ability to throw as well would be something else that you can do instead of just a regular attack with a thrown weapon. So you could throw a chair. It's not in a like a thrown weapon, but you can throw a thing. This sounds like a joke, but it's not. But do you think you should be able to swallow something? Like, if you get their arcane focus, like their other ring or something like that, and you're like, fuck you. You get to interact with one item for free on your turn anyway, right? And a lot of the time I let, like, that's just talking for people or opening a door or it, it you, you can either draw or um, sheathe a weapon at any given time um, for free. But other than that, you got to, like, drop it or you can't do it. It's too much on your turn, right? The idea of swallowing... I want to eat someone's holy symbol. (laughs) Come on. Just, I would love that for what DMs don't expect. If you can get hold of that ring or whatever, the little MacGuffin, like the little stone, I fucking swallow. It should be the exact same mechanic as quaffing a potion. 100%. Just like drinking a potion in the middle of combat. Yeah, swallow their magic ring. I swallow it and then dimension door the fuck out of there. You guys can clean this up. See you in a bit. Love it. I'll see you in 24 hours when I pass this. 
Which one of those options <laughs> stuck out to you guys? I like the I like the stealing. I like do, do you know what? I actually I don't have a favorite because I like them all because I want to be oh the dirty trick. The dirty trick, because that's my type of thing. I'm like, I'm so judo, you push, I pull. If you grab hold of me, I hope you packed a lunch. We're going to be here all day, and it's your fault. And I can't wait to throw sand in your face. This I'm is the best Tinder your, profile I'm going to steal your stuff. I'm going to fucking swallow I'm, I'm going to take I'm notes gonna, for my Tinder profile. There should be. If you grab hold of me, we're going to be here all fucking day, because Better this is a dirty a trick. Dirty trick? Dirty trick should be very creative. Like, if you know they're going to run away, and my dirty trick would be like, I'm just going to piss on them. I'm just gonna, they're going to grab me, I'm going to urinate. And then later on, I can imagine running through the tavern and be like, did the guy that stinks of piss come running through here? Like, <laughs> <laughs> hey, That's me. I love Dirty Trick. Aww. I think that should be in it. Megan? Honestly, I hate them all. You don't? Oh, well, yeah. Oh, it's one of those things where, yes, I enjoy them for the idea that the mechanic is there. However, I just... it's Getting too, them used against you as a player. And it's too complicated. It adds too much. I feel like battle in a lot of older 5th edition... Like, oh, sorry, older D&D, like... It was too complicated to the point where you could never remember everything that you were able to do, capable to do, <coughs> and it just, it makes me anxious when there's oh. too many options. you got to be less smart, because when you start thinking simply like this, don't be thinking about complex spells to use, just piss on them. That's but, it. But that's the thing, is like, I can... With and doubt, pee. I feel like in 5th edition, though, I could just, like, look at my DM, like, look at Adam and be like, hey, I would like to trip this guy. And you'd be like, all right, this is the role you need to do for it. Yeah. Like, I don't need a complicated piece of bullshit to be able to do creative things on the battlefield. I think this adds way too many bars and ladders. But the one that I do enjoy is the fact that disarming is an option. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, I love the idea of just walking up and just smacking someone's hand and then their sword just falling to the ground and exactly. being like, and then kicking it away. Like, I do like that. But I feel like you can do that in fifth edition without all these complications. I, yes, I, as a matter of fact, have just done with, with a grapple, the athletics versus athletics and acrobatics, mm-hmm. right? Or I will sometimes use sleight of hand, but it's usually just a dex plus proficiency modifier anyway for whenever someone wants to get disarmed. But again, if you want to disarm the NPC, that unlocks the NPCs being able to disarm you. Absolutely. Right? And that becomes a whole lot scarier with your ancestral sword, Right. How dare you throw that in my face? <laughs> Every time. Every time. <laughs> right? But but that's that's the truth of the matter. The other thing that I don't like about disarm or steal is so many creatures in the monster manual and volos and whatnot have items that are so crazy fuck you. Like the flail for the flint. Yeah. yeah. If you can just take that and wield it, holy shit. That's insane that you'd be able to just have that in the middle of combat. Which means that I'm now sitting there going, okay, that thing is powerful enough that you should have to have attunement for it as well. And now I'm coming up with attunement rules in monster stat blocks for specific items that they may or may not have. It's and a lot. It's, it's, it's a lot. So yeah. I'm glad that we don't have it standard. I would allow it, you know, in boss fights, yes, get the thing away from them. How do you do it? One person grappled, the next person can disarm. But that's the thing that I like about 5th edition is that you can come up with creative ideas in battle and in combat and then you just work with your DM to see how they would work out. There have been so many times where I've said, hey, this is what I would like to have happen. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> I'm listening. I'm listening. I'm listening. <laughs> um, there's so many times where I've stopped and said, hey, this is what I would like to do in this battle scene. How many actions is it going to take and what do I need to roll? And then the D- you work with the DM to kind of figure out how that works. I do that in L5R, I do that in D&D, I do that in every role-playing game I've ever played. Because I do enjoy the idea of utilizing creativity in battle, which I feel like these rules allow. Mm-hmm. But I feel like, again, if those were the rules and I had to follow them, 
I would have a fucking list. I would have to have a card with all of them written oh. out with what I can but and like can't the, do. You'd have to have your own DM screen with shit on the inside I, it of would just be, player. It's too much. D&D, uh, sorry, uh, fifth edition has been very good at simplifying things. Yeah. I think what's happened when in simplifying combat in fifth edition is we've lost some good stuff. But I think in in like to kind of add on to Megan's point, I think in fairness we should be able to do it somehow. Yeah, yeah like ability checks or something. They don't just totally remove it just for the sake of simplifying. Uh, there's got to be a way to do it because it's realistic stuff. Yeah. Like it's like if you're in close proximity with the big bad and there's the big glowing stone that you need. Oh well, I'm obviously going to try and take it from them. I'm going to spit him in the eye and blind him for a turn. Like, I'm going to do it. I'm going to get that back guano out my components pouch and boom in the eyeball. <laughs> And I'll take this, thank you. I would almost have, you know, if I was going to redesign the fighter, I would have, like, every third level you get a tactical maneuver where you get one of these things. So like a trip yeah. or... So, yeah, so yeah. so now you can unlock these things and only fighters get them. And monks get them half as often, right? Like, yeah. Ooh, yeah. So so this would, this would let fighters feel more unique. And that's powerful, but it's not game-breaking by any means. Yeah. Right? And do more than just, like, hit and miss. Yeah. Like, there's nothing worse than being a fighter than missing every fucking yeah. attack you fucking do. Hell. Oh, man. I'm playing with a level three rogue at the table right now. And it's... I rolled a hit and a miss. And I... Well, that's my turn. That's my monk right now. Yeah. That's, and that's also the, the cleric. That that's right. why I throw things as a monk. That because I can't problem. hit. That was the problem with my rogue where we were, we were laughing about Dan earlier was because I was relying on that advantage for the sneak attack. And so I had to be in a certain position all the time. And that you're relying on that so much. But he was a battle master at the time. So he's like, and you go over here and you do that over there. And yeah. And he fucked off, jumped in the toilet or whatever because he was the <laughs> martial class. So he was up front with me. I was relying on trying to get in a certain position with him. So... Yeah, fair. Hey, everybody. This is Adam. I'm sure that yesterday you all looked at your apps and saw the It's a Mimic channel had released out of the blue, like 20 months late, uh, many Roads to Amelia episode. Uh, shout out to Brad for doing a fantastic job in that. And I just wanted to give you guys a little bit of transparency as to why we did that uh, and what the hell happened last week. Because for the first time ever, we missed a release. Now, when it comes to the Many Roads to Amelia, we've recorded nine of the 11 episodes. Three have been released. Three are in various stages of being edited, and I think are almost complete. And three have gotten corrupted so badly that I think that only one of them might be salvageable. The problem is the equipment we're working with. We're in the midst of changing locations of our recording space, which means that we've got to get creative with ambient noise management, the mics and cords have been jostled around a bunch, and the computer I'm working off of for planning, prepping, and editing is on its last legs. I know, I know. None of this is your problem. I just want to be transparent about the reason why our releases get delayed sometimes, and it's disheartening. Imagine spending 12 hours setting up a 5-hour recording session for an episode of one-on-one -on -one intense gameplay where you've crafted a very specific kind of narrative that walks the line between keeping the player in the dark and letting the listeners start to piece together a massive, multi-year puzzle just to have the file shit the bed when you sit down to edit it. And then it happens again. And then it happens again. It makes it so that you push the other recordings back again and again, and you push the edits back, and you make an apology post. And you move the files onto an external hard drive for safety and try to keep it protected in the back of the closet, but you know that when it's 
back there, it's easy to say, I'm just going to do it next week. And as time passes, you lose track of some of the unique nuance that you had built. That momentum starts to fade, and you have to go back and listen to over 20 hours of raw audio files just to remember where you left off. What sound effect was used for that kind of gun? What are the musical cues? It's a lot. Look, honestly, I love this podcast. All of us do. We love every aspect of it. I even love the editing. I don't like it until I sit down to do it, but then when I'm in the chair, I have a lot of fun. But it's often the reason behind a sleepless night, or the reason that I've got to cancel plans with other friends. This podcast is a second job that we try to do without any sort of payment. We're not monetized on any of the apps. We've been lied to and taken advantage of by companies who want us to promote their products. And we don't even run a Patreon or anything because the idea of hiding content behind a paywall just rubs me the wrong way. We've even been shadow banned on most social media. Who knows, maybe we'll look into a Patreon or something in the future or a Kickstarter for a new microphone. But for now, we're just going to keep on doing what we're doing. If you ask any of the people who have to read out the scripted blurbs that I write about the donate button on the website, you'll know that they all hate it. It's the worst part of this whole fucking process. It's soulless and it feels like selling out, even though the original plan was to turn this podcast into a proper business at some point. I mean, maybe we're all just too Canadian about it. Look, I'm not blaming the money. I'm certainly not asking for donations. That's not what this little commercial or whatever is about. I'm just letting you know that when something is late or a series dies off, it's because we're fighting with the technology on our end. We're not losing our grasp on this. We're not walking away. We're not going to leave you guys high and dry. We're trying to not have our hearts broken by this process. It bothers all of us to think that we are disappointing any one of you out there when we miss a deadline. And that's what this crazy week of rushed releases has been about. It's our way of making it up to you. So, if you're ever looking at your app and you see that an episode isn't there when it should be, rest assured that it's coming. We went 187 weeks without missing one. We're going to try to beat that record starting now. So wish us luck and pray for our equipment. Now enough of this shit, let's get back to the fun episode. Thanks for sticking with us. Okay, so let's jump into subclasses. Now, uh, you have the Rune Knight, Megan, right? And Terry, you've got the Psy Warrior. Yeah. Uh, I, I, that is the weakest name for me. Even Purple Dragon Knight sounds cooler than Psy Warrior. Yeah. It just, it feels... Uh, it, yeah. It's, it's a, it's a Psy yeah, Warrior. It's, it's just a shitty name for a, for a... And it's like PSI, software. like tires, like pounds per square inch. Like yeah. It's, it's, uh, yeah. You made break that down for us, Meg. <laughs> hey, some people don't know Megan. Fuck it out. <laughs> Sorry if I fucking mansplained PSI real quick there. I was just trying to make it quick for the audience. Okay, Megan, there's more than the three of us listening to this. Megan, mansplaining is short for man explaining. (laughs) (laughs) Let me. I'll try. Okay, maybe you can get through it to her. I don't know how we're gonna do this. (laughs) When I take my car to the guy, we'll stop. that I have a minute to fight before. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Do you guys want to grab dice to see who's going who's gonna to yeah. go first on this? Nine. Fifteen. You bitch. All right. Psy Warrior up first. And I got to say, the class is cooler than the, than the name. But let me tell you why I don't like Psy Warrior. 
Oh yeah, not a fan. <laughs> no, no. Okay, so when I first usually I love the the uh, the subclasses and the whatever the options that I get given for the podcast. And this one at first, I went to it in Tasha's and I was like, "Oh my god, not that I'm going to shame anime or anything. This looks like those cringy anime characters where it's like it's the anime that I don't understand where everybody's teleporting and there's weird shields and they're moving a thousand miles per hour. And all like arcane stuff. shields and shit like that glowing rooms. And and yeah. You and just now. don't watch enough anime. That's the bottom line. And maybe that is it. But I think the thing with anime is there's too much now and I can't start. Fair. It's, it's like, where do I start? It's overwhelming. Here? I understand. Hey. I don't know if this is a big deal, but I watched uh, Knights of Sidonia on Netflix or whatever. So. Oh, congratulations for that American Netflix show. <laughs> God damn. I love just twisting the knife, man. I love how I love how Megan's laughing because my anime is not cool. <laughs> yeah. Like what a fucking loser Terry is for watching the wrong anime. No, I want you to not, no, I accept not, your anime. Not accept thank your anime. you for making an effort. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry, did you make that effort for me? <laughs> Just for all of you. Did all, you like it? all of you people. <laughs> did, did you like it? All of you hand wave you people. But did you enjoy it? It's all right, yeah. Okay, there you go. There was a lot of like, there's a lot of sounds I don't get. Oh, I can't. I a lot of that yeah, stuff. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. A lot of size. Uh, so I was worried about that at first, and uh, but it doesn't seem too bad. Okay, so let's take a look. Let's do the quote from Tasha first. The quotation from Tasha. To quote Tasha, brains over brawn, mind over matter. These canny warriors rightly answer, why not both? Hmm. Makes you think. Use your brain mind. <laughs> sure. Okay, so a Psy Warrior essentially is a fighter that is able to uh, augment its physical might with with what's called Psy-infused weapons, uh, weapon strikes. And it'll ha- have, like, telekinetic abilities uh, and, like, barriers of, of mental force. And it's not, like, telepathic. It's a lot of, like, telekinetic-based stuff. Yeah, it's psionic. Psionic, exactly. Uh, so he's popular with many Githyanki, would train to become uh, this kind of warrior, as do a lot of disciplined high elves. If you enjoy the world of Eberron, you will find that many young Kalistar dream of becoming Psy warriors as well. Uh, and as a Psy warrior, you may have honed your psionic abilities through either through like solo discipline, maybe you got tutelage from like a master, maybe you went to some sort of academy. It's it's quite open uh, as to how you might have uh, gained these abilities, even though they seem like very specific abilities. Most people actually get it just from having enough experience points. Anyways, continue. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> here's the thing, right? Adam. <laughs> I like to throw this bullshit out to other people, but when it's my turn to present my thing, I have to, for the people at home, I have to concentrate fully on my notes and say my words properly and all that sort of stuff. And uh, and when people throw things out from left field, I'll just stare at you. Like, oh, yeah. I'll go, not now. <laughs> no, no, we only do this when you're talking. <laughs> I love that. The look on your face is just, let me know when you're finished. <laughs> and I will continue from yeah. my notes. I'll Thank just you. wait. I'll wait and try not to look stupid. Okay. So how does it how does it work for a Psy Warrior? How does the psionic ability work? I don't know. Tell us, Terry. Ascent. I'm getting to it, Adam. <laughs> a Psy Warrior within them essentially has like a, a a well of psionic energy. We represent this with d6 die uh, d6 dice that will uh, increase in size as you level up, and these are equal to twice your proficiency bonus, and they fuel the various psionic abilities that this type of character will have. Some of these psionic powers will expend these psionic energy die as they use them, but you do regain all expended psionic energy dice when you finish a long rest. However, in addition, as a bonus action, you can you can regain one of these expended psionic energy die, uh, but you can't do it this again until you finish either a short rest or a long rest. 
When you reach certain levels, as I mentioned earlier, these the size of these energy dice will increase. So fifth level, it'll take it'll turn into a D8. Uh, 11th level, it'll turn into a D10. And 17th level, it will turn into a D12. So it gets pretty powerful. Hmm. That is at the beginning of each tier. Essentially, yeah. Hmm. Okay, so my initial thoughts were... I'm getting to my notes, man. Fucking hell. <laughs> What's I'm, wrong with what I'm now doing? Now that I'm hyper aware of the fact that you have this struggle, it's just fun to watch. I'm sorry. Wow. <laughs> 2022, and somebody says, now that I'm aware, hyper aware that you have a struggle, it's just funny to watch. <laughs> Remember how she said earlier that, that people just assume she's mean and she doesn't know why? Okay, she didn't know what PSI meant, and now all of a sudden... <laughs> drama <laughs> as i mentioned earlier because i thought it seemed very cringy anime not that all anime is cringy but some anime is a little bit cringy i for myself uh would be looking to deliberately move in the opposite direction of wherever i saw these sort of parallels for a little bit of inspiration from me okay when it comes to the party role in combat i see this as like almost and i'll get to the abilities in just a second no let me stop megan you throw me off okay <laughs> Fuck you, Megan. <laughs> Let me go through the abilities, and then I'll talk about my opinions. All right. Fair. Okay. Here's the abilities. Yes, Adam, I'm going to say them now. Okay. So the first ability I want to mention is that at third level, you get protective field. So this essentially means that for another creature that you can see within 30 feet of you, if they have taken damage, you can use your reaction and expend one psionic energy die, roll the die, and then you get to reduce the damage taken by the number rolled, plus your intelligence modifier. It's going to be a minimum reduction of one. I love that it's intelligence modifier. Mm -hmm. Yes. Finally. For a fighter. Yes. Sure. Again, mental powers. Pretty dope. Yep. It's yeah. mental. Mental? <laughs> Are you done? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the second one at third level is Psionic Strike. I don't know what this right hand's doing. Uh, psionic Strike is where you can essentially propel your weapons with no, Psionic Force. Nobody can force. see you rapping. Like, you get your right hand going. <laughs> like a fucking rapper from 1990. I'm going to keep going. Okay. <laughs> Once on each of your turns, and this is immediately after you hit a target that it was in 30 feet of you, I see the wrapping thing now. <laughs> and you deal damage. You can expend one of your dice, rolling it and dealing force damage to the target, which is equal to the number you rolled, plus your intelligence modifier. So you get to add a little bit of extra force damage. Quite a lot, actually, Megan, if you bit roll of spice. <laughs> Telekinetic movement. I'm sorry, I gotta pause you. Force damage. Force damage. So, intelligence modifier and force damage. I really, really like this, and it makes sense why it's I like get anti barbarian. Yeah, and I, yes, absolutely it is. Um, I like this for Git Yankee. Like, that makes so much sense because they're on the astral plane, right? And their whole big thing is that they're astral sea pirates, mm -hmm. um, which are out there to fuck with people psionically and psychically. And they use uh, psionics are always just a part of everything Git. Mm -hmm. So, that's just really fun and flavorful. And I feel like they've, Looked at that drug. You're like, it's an anime inspired. Mm -hmm. I feel like they were inspired by how are we going to make Gith Yankee a playable like, class. Yeah. Right? Sure. So, and I'm all right with that. I would prefer yeah. that over the anime stuff. Okay. Last one for third level. Telekinetic movement. Okay. This is essentially where you can move an object or a creature with your mind. It's an action. You can choose one target. and It's either one loose object um, or a creature that is large or smaller uh, or one willing creature other than yourself. And if you can see that target and it is within 30 feet of you, you can automatically move it up to 30 feet to an unoccupied space that you can see. Up, down, left, right, whatever you want. Alternatively, if it's a tiny object, uh, you can move it to or from your hand. 
excuse me, Megan. Either way, you can move it in all directions. Uh, quick opinions on that one because it's automatic. There's no save or anything for them. It's just boom off the cliff over you over there. Yeah, that's insane. That is absolutely bullshit. But I now have to add one additional creature every for every round. I feel like combat is going to last mm-hmm. just so that we can have a combat because they're just going to eat it out of existence. Absolutely. Yeah. The the Noel walks up to you snarling and she's like, "Nope, off you go." At level three, yeah. Fuck off. Yeah. That's, it, it that's changes too a lot. much. It changes a lot, right? Okay. Uh, seventh level, we get Telekinetic Adept, okay? So the two abilities here are the Side-Powered Leap. This is essentially, as a bonus action, you get to propel your body with your mind so you can fly equal to your uh, equal, equal to twice your walking speed until the end of your current turn. Once you take this bonus action, you can't do it again until you finish a short or a long rest unless you expend that psionic energy die to take it again. This says nothing about direction change because psionic leap you think in a single direction nope you can you can change direction midair do whatever you want but you can move up to twice your walking speed and then and then move yourself an extra 30 feet with your crazy third level ship because this is not movement this is an ability this is an action right to do this so yeah that's correct so you can move then do this and then just go another 30 feet yeah what action did you have to use for that for that telekinetic it's a bonus no at third level the third uh, level one that lets you just yeet someone off a cliff. That's an action. Okay. But this one is a bonus action. So you can still attack afterwards as a fighter once you've flown <laughs> twice your movement speed. And Whee! then charge. So you move 90 feet and that then is you the stab noise them twice. Yes. <laughs> Whee! Whee! <laughs> this is a seventh level, all of this. You have to have a cape as a character in this one, for sure. Pretty much. Yeah. Uh, telekinetic thrust. How about this? So when you do get to deal... Telekinetic thrust. thrust. That's what I thought you We're said. We're thrusting. Okay. We're okay. thrusting telekinetically. Yeah. Uh, 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 from a distance. I don't know why I made that sound. <laughs> I'm so sorry, Megan. What? I apologize to your girlfriend. Because I felt, I felt like, like I, fuck. I felt like you wouldn't bother Adam. That I made that. He would just carry. I'm on. a little aroused, frankly. But the, when like, I did, for those of you at home, I did like a hand motion which signaled thrusting, but I did it in the direction of Megan as I did it, <laughs> and so that's why I apologize. Uh, thank you for your apology. <laughs> Telekinetic thrust. Uh, so when you deal damage to a target with your psionic strike, you can force the target it to, to make a strength saving throw. Uh, the DC is equal to 8 plus your proficiency bonus plus your intelligence modifier. If they fail the save, you can knock the target prone or you can move them up to 10 feet in any direction horizontally. This is like uh, a better shove, essentially. Okay, okay. Hold on, I gotta pause you. Because I looked it up and we're going back for a second. That telekinetic movement at third level... That lets you move an object or, or a creature yeah. with your mind. Mm-hmm. It specifically says one loose object that is large or smaller or one willing creature. Mm. An unwilling creature cannot be moved. Oh, so you're just yeeting your party members. Yeah, it says it says any object or creature. Right. But then it like in the next sentence down, it it kind of defines that a little bit better. So you cannot just like Send the knoll flying off the cliff. Okay. Unless the knoll is in your party. Unless you like, <laughs> down, like, like, do it. Now, hey, what we you want to go a, for a ride? <laughs> and a loose object, so obviously nothing that they're holding. You or wearing, loose. right. Or wearing, okay, sure. All right, yeah, that's not as bad then. But you can pick up a rock and throw it in their face. like. Yeah, I mean, I'm if it's sure. a large enough object, you could send a table, right? Fair enough. Yes. Fair enough, fair enough. What would that, that would be a D6. I guess no, be like wall. an well, I, well, no, I would I would rule that it's the same as falling damage, right? So it would be 1d6 for every 10 feet the thing moves. Because of the momentum. 
right because of the momentum of it um and that would be for large and medium objects and small and whatnot that's pretty strong for a third level though especially if you're moving yeah yeah but the best you're going to get is 3d6 and it never gets more powerful than that that's true because it's only 30 feet and you're a fighter so i mean you're going to do that a lot which is what a subclass wants you to do sure okay yeah okay i hear you i agree 10th level yep God in mind. Essentially, you start to bolster the psionic energy within your brain. Uh, so you now get resistance to psychic damage. In addition to this, you can, if you start your turn charmed or frightened, you can expend one of your psionic, psionic energy die, and you can end that effect. Um, you can end every effect on yourself, subjecting you to those conditions. Okay, that's good. Uh, sorry, what level was that? Tenth level. That's all right. That's when the psychic shit starts to come you know, out of the woodwork at you. That's when all the aberrations are starting to go a little bit nuts. So that's that's a good level to get that. I'm glad it's not 14th. Okay, Bulwark of Force. This is 15th level. Um, so this is where you can start to shield yourself and others with telekinetic force. This is a bonus action. You can choose creatures. These can include you that you can see up to 30 feet of you. And this is up to a number of creatures equal to your intelligence modifier. It needs to be a minimum of one. Uh, each of the chosen creatures is protected by half cover for one minute or until you're incapacitated. If you do this, then you can't do it again until you do a long rest or you do your, your die to uh, to replenish the ability. Okay, Fair. sure. Yeah, yeah, not crazy. 15th level, though. Like, I don't know. Sure. Last one, Telekinetic Master, 18th level. So, okay, you now have the ability to move cre- creatures and objects with your mind uh, to, a, to a higher level than before. So you can cast the Telekinesis spell... This requires no components, and your spellcasting ability for the spell is intelligence. On each of your turns, while you concentrate on the spell, including the turn when you cast it, you can make one attack with a weapon as a bonus action. And again, it's going to be a long rest or psionic energy die before you can cast it again. So it's essentially the the telekinesis spell for cheap and easy, and you get to do an attack. Yep. That's pretty good. At what level? It's 18th, though. That's, you know... Mm. Depends when you're getting it, right? 18th level, it's like... I don't think that I'm dipping further than 10th level into this. Mm-hmm. I was say, like, a lot of the times when you do a fighter, you don't necessarily make it to 18th level, usually. I don't think I'd, I'd be after this bulwark of force, either, right? Like, mm-hmm. I, that felt a little weak for, what was it, 15th level? Right. So when it comes to, like, the party role, for combat... It's not quite a support role as, like, a bard would be. It's more like you're, like, the goal assist... It's like you you have the ability to put the other players in a better position or to protect them temporarily while they finish their shit. This feels like a good alternative or a different um, option to the Battlemaster, who does a lot of movement and shit anyway. Like, hey, use my reaction to go do this, right? Or, mm-hmm. But this mitigates a bunch of psychic damage. If I know that I'm going into the far realms or we're going to be dealing with a lot of uh mind flayer bullshit or whatnot later in the campaign i'd be looking at the psi warrior for this definitely when it comes to like exploration i see this subclass as like the guinea pig because of their abilities because they can do that that leap that fly and then run so it's like just a simple chat is that a lot of darts i don't know or, or can, can we get up there and do this or the like the telekinetic stuff can i hurl this over there and see what happens uh you're kind of like the guinea pig yeah let me see if there's a force field there picks up item yeah is there yeah. lasers let me tell you Poof. yes there's lasers There's lasers absolutely yeah. there's lasers <laughs> okay so that's where we are who's rolling these dice all of us all of us all of us i'm doing red this time okay Four. Adam will let you ask. Uh, 15. 
Um, so I'm going first, and Meg, Terry, you rolled a one. One again. Yikes. I don't know what to tell you guys, Great right? Yeah, it's coming last. Issue. So, I mean, the question we always ask is, you know, what stats or race or background clearly synergizes well with this build? Clearly the Gith Yankee. And you yeah. can play as Gith um, in 5th edition, so that really works well. And obviously intelligence, that makes that makes sense to me. Um, I... I could make a strong argument for a lot of them. Kalistar is another obvious one. You said that mm-hmm. earlier. Uh, I'm going to look to uh, Videlkin as well. Holy shit. Um, You're saying a lot of weird words right now. Yeah. Which, which <laughs> is from Ravnica or Vedelkin. I didn't I know guess. what it was, but I, I wanted <laughs> wow, everybody at home wow. to think I did. <laughs> shit, really? Videlkin? Shit, no. really okay, yeah. So I think it's actually Vedelkin. I've never heard it said out loud. Um, it's from Ravnica. They are blue-skinned. They look essentially human. But they're big into magic, and they're all about intelligence modifier, and they're like natural wizards. So yeah. that would really fit this as well, because they get they're gonna get that intelligence boost. Um, and elves, classic, literally like high elf. Yeah. Yeah. Am I missing anything? Who's next, Megan? I, I was gonna say drows. So like, I feel like this is a good. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Like from sure. the underdark, like you're kind of going insane from being underground. You're in the dark all the time. Like it's just like it feels like a very underworld. Kind of feel to me. I feel like that would fit in with the anime stuff as well. Absolutely. Glowing eyes, whole nine yards. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, again, Drow, I feel like, is a good fit for this. Terry? Well, I'm not going to beat Drow. I was going to say High Elf, but I agree with Githyanki 100%. I mean, Mm -hmm. you can't can't disagree with that. Uh, But I would not... I would not be able to play Githyanki as easily, mm-hmm. uh, but I feel like I can pull a high elf off. Uh, so could for, you now? You pull off a high. I'll elf? pull a high elf off. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Who doesn't? <laughs> Who can't? I know, right? It's like the, in the end, it's like they're all beautiful. Uh, high elf. <laughs> we lost Terry there for a second. You stared off. Yeah, enough. Jesus. Uh, because high elf, because it's easy. Do you guys have a uh, another like? multi-class option like what other subclass would you put this with like uh i have backgrounds well you know do you have okay what's your background okay if i wanted a difficult character to play i would go with like haunted one i researched haunted one yeah i like like the haunted one yeah if you want to make it a little bit easier just do it as like folk hero and just make it kind of work then if you want to go really easy just go like knight i just wanted to go like scholar i thought would be really cool like having a very specific study because you're you're a person of intelligence right Mm -hmm. i just feel like you have a psychology study or something like that like you're just a professor it's constantly like pushing your glasses up you know sure like i mean doubt i think yeah far traveler makes sense yeah um I was thinking, no, for multi-classing, this goes really well with the Aberrant Mind, because they're all psychic shit as well. Yeah. Um, the Aberrant Mind Sorcerer. Uh, Arcane Trickster would be fun with this, oh. too. I would say Warlock would have been a really good... Yeah. Like, there's a reason why they were able to tap into people's psyche. Like, you can't just do that naturally, so there has to be some reason why. If the you the problem is, though, that your, like, intelligence, your strength, con, intelligence, and now charisma. Yeah. Right? So, like, you're spread pretty thin on these stats, but... You get some more ASIs or feats. So many go. feats because so you're a So many feats. Terry, do you have a... Arcane Trickster would work well. Yeah. Uh, because it kind of balances out the weaknesses on both sides. You get some low-level wizarding spells, which is mostly around buffing and inconveniencing the enemy, uh, which is uh, which is great for this type of character because it will complement what you're trying to do as well. Uh, but also it gives you some options if the... It's still a martial class, yeah. right? So you're still limited in that capacity. So you have some additional options with Arcane Trickster. Would what? you multi-class this with a bard? I, 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 
Yes, you could. I think it would be easier for the way I, I want the vicious mockery as I yeet people off. That's the what I mean. Yeah, is like, like just like adding that vicious mockery, adding like the inspiration, adding like a whole bunch of random crap. You get really good spells with arcane tricks, though. That's you get those, true. You get those really good low level spells that the wizards kind of grow out of yeah. later on, but they're still fucking useful. It's always good to drop bane, darkness, silence. <laughs> I, and also, like, oh, are you using your telekinesis? No, invisible mage hand. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, Same I, thing. I've never had telekinesis. I also, I also like the uh, Graviturgy uh, wizard, which is from Wildmount, mm-hmm. because they're doing all this weird gravity shit and moving stuff around the battlefield as well. And again, intelligence modifier is important, so that's going to have some good synergy there as well. Yeah. Uh, I don't know it really well off the top of my head, so I don't know if anything's redundant there, but it feels like it fits real nice. Thematically. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Um, in your opinion... What are the strengths of the classes when it comes to role-playing the subclass? Oh, shit, that was me again. Uh, for role-playing, oh, I would be weird. Uh, the same thing with the, the aberrant mind sorcerer, right? When it comes to the psionic shit, I feel like you're always staring through people. Like, like a Kalistar is always kind of just a little bit distant and always talking. This is a very important quest that we are on, mm. and we must all hurry. Time is of the essence. <laughs> like it's all so of the creepy. time because yeah. I'm thinking about other shit like I now know the weight of every object in this room while we were having this conversation because I could can I move that desk I can move, I that, can desk. move that desk yeah, yeah. Right? so yeah um, that would be that'd be kind of my initial go-to would be a little detached mm-hmm. I'm disassociating all of the time yeah yeah man I would go theatrical I would be like you. Your your cape is always billowing. Like you have a cape of billowing. Yeah. You're always floating. You're always making a dramatic entrance, and you're always just the smartest person in the room. Just always. Even smarter than the wizard. 100%. Don't ask the wizard. He's an idiot. Don't talk to him. He's reading from a book. He has no idea what he's talking about. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I speak from the mind, shall we say? Like I just feel like it would. I would go theatrical with this guy. Yeah. Sure. I feel like, I, okay, both of those answers are good. So now I'm thinking on the spot, so I don't go with the same thing. I would go with maybe, yes, the thinks you're smarter thing, but would maybe talk down to people in a way of, like, if the barbarians, like, we could just, hur- we, let's just hurl a boulder in. You're like, <laughs> you're just, well, we could, technically, yes, we could hurl the boulder. However, wouldn't it be good if one of us could just eat <laughs> <laughs> In that sense, as though everybody's like regular abilities, they're they're no, I don't think they're bad. I think they're charming. Anything you can do, I can do better. Yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> billowing. Um, are there any potential oversights or mechanical imbalances with this? I mean, you're you're moving a lot of stuff, right? And there's no raw rules about flinging tables at enemies, yeah. right? Which I want. That there, that should be included somewhere. Seems obvious. Yeah, yeah. That maybe just 1d4 or maybe maybe it scales like you hurl it with more force as your proficiency modifier or your tiers go up or yeah. something just to be relevant still. At some point, though, you're not going to be hurling stuff. It takes your action to do that. Well, when you can make two attacks, are you really doing that? Yeah. yeah. Especially when you're a fighter. Like, I have to remember that this is a fighter. Like, it's hard to remember that this is a fighter. Yeah. But I do feel like it does bode and ask for a lot of creativity on the battlefield, which is something that I can appreciate. So much as I said that I would love to have, like, a psionic character that will say, stop hitting yourself, and then you hit yourself for the amount of a fighter's damage, there is something really cool to be said about, I'm just going to throw this table at you because yeah. I can as a fighter, 
not have to fight you face to face. So, yeah. For potential oversights for me, I think this creates a real difficulty for the DM in that now you have a, a, an early leveled character that can do these telekinetic abilities, they can essentially fly, they have all kinds of different ways of overcoming the challenges that you would put in them, in front of them. So you have this difficult position of, do I increase the difficulty of, the, of these challenges for this person that has these extra abilities, but that in, if I do that, that essentially disables everybody else. They're going to be useless if I'm making things so hard that you can't just hurl your body to it or you can't just use telekinetic abilities to overcome this challenge. This, this is always a DM balance issue. Yeah. Mm. Right? When you start to run up against... I mean, level 5 is the problem. The moment Fireball comes on the table, what do you do? You have to have multiple enemies with huge pools of hit points. Yeah. But that's going to fucking destroy the Warlock. Yeah. Right? So... That's always the balance issue, right? And so the fact that this is happening early, I think it does balance out later. Yeah. Right? Because you get the really good stuff early. I feel like this is really meant to dip into, to get to that level three or that level, what was it, six was the next one? Seventh. That, seventh. Um, like, when you start to... It's like you're dipping into the crazy. Get that, yeah, yeah get that telekinetic thrust and the side-powered <laughs> leap. Sorry, Megan. I'm balanced. Okay. Yeah. Sorry, <laughs> Megan. I'm sorry. Okay. I'm not sure what I'm apologizing about. Me either. <laughs> today, but I accept that I'm wrong. I'm just glad you didn't call it telekinetic thirst. <laughs> I was waiting for somebody to say David, sorry, Megan. write this down. <laughs> telekinetic thirst trap. <laughs> um, Megan, do you want to take us into uh, it's just anywhere but the side warrior? <laughs> anywhere but here? Yeah. Absolutely, I would. All right, so we're going to talk about the Rune Knights. Um, honestly, I know I say this pretty much every time I, like, This is my favorite one. It's, like, but, like, no, it's the Tasha's quote. Like, every time I read a Tasha's quote, Oh, she's so funny for no... It just... She is just a bitchy 17-year-old on Twitter. Just a blessing. I love that. Just an absolute blessing. So this one's my favorite, and I feel like I need it on a t-shirt for myself. And it says, you're researching ancient arts and drawing runes. It's okay to want to be a witch. Aw. Isn't that nice? Yeah. Nice. <laughs> you think there's a little warlock worship going on here? A little bit, maybe. So, rune knights, they draw their power from runes. How <laughs> weird. Whoa. Okay, stop and back up. <laughs> I know, right? Crazy. Uh, which, weirdly enough, though, I did learn that in 5th edition it is derived from giants. So, yes. So, oh. so, the use and practice of cutting runes can be found in all families of giants and is actually traditional amongst the folks to learn only from giants. Like, it, it's it's supposed to be that you learn it from them. Yeah, even dwarves have, like, runic magic and stuff, but they use the same, or close to the same alphabet as giants. Yeah. And gnomes are the same way. There's all the, like, scrawling on the stone pillars or even small, like, clockwork. It's all runes, and it all goes back to, to giant giants. language. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So, basically, as a rune knight, you probably would have taken the time to learn the magical properties of, of these runes, and then you use them to imbue your weapons or your items or whatever you have you on your person with magics, basically. So, to get into some of their abilities at um, level three, which is you basically become proficient in smith's tools and you learn everything about giants. So, their language, their writing, their speaking, X, Y, Z, you know everything about giants, which to me, 
Makes sense. If you're yep. gonna, if you know how to yeah. use magical rune magic from giants, I feel like you have to know the language. Yeah. What kind of giant is this? No idea. <laughs> no idea. I'm just drawing. Never seen shit. that it's before. Fine. Yeah. And I like the idea that they added the smith's tool in. I thought that that was a very creative way of saying like, yes, this, I carve runes. Yeah. I that, that would be an oversight. How did you get the runes in there? I had a, just a great toothpick. Yeah. I, I I chewed it into the side of it. Yep. Um, so basically it goes without saying that your character carves runes to imbue weapons with magic and grant yourself special abilities. So the number of runes that you can carve is very specific to the character level and some runes have a level requirement. And then these runes can be recarved after a long rest. So it's a matter of you can kind of rotate where your magical runes are carved, basically. Okay, uh, that's neat. Yeah. So it, after a long rest, you can, it's kind of like a, like a wizard spell book or like a clerics or whatever. You basically can rotate what items on you have what runes, shall we say, after a long rest. But you can only have as many as your level allows. If you carve a rune onto your armor, do you have to like scratch it out if you want to put a different one on there? Uh, in my mind, it just disappears. Oh, so it's like magical. Okay. That's how I feel about it. Because it doesn't really describe it specifically too much about whether it disappears or what have you. But you can only have certain a number of items with runic magic imbued at one time. Okay. If that makes sense. Yeah. But yeah. like, if you want to take your sword and then put a different rune on it. Or does this sword have this rune? I need a different sword to put a different rune on it. Uh, I don't know. I feel like you, I feel like in my mind, if I was to do this and took a sword, yep. I would put every rune I know on it and then I would activate whatever rune I want after a long rest. I like it. So it's just the same six runes over and over and over again. But you're like, this is the one I want to Yeah. Do. Yeah. yeah. It's glowing yellow. That means storm giant. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. So, uh, and that brings me into the, it's a good segue into the fact that the runes that are available to you, that you will find a theme. I won't go into detail about each one, but I'll kind of go through the names of them. You have your cloud rune, your fire rune, your frost rune, your stone rune, your hu- your hill rune, and your s- storm rune. Those are named after hags. Shut up. They're named after giants. Oh, fucking oh okay. <laughs> Legion. I don't know if that's accurate. Uh, <laughs> I don't speak Elvish. Yeah, but each one Fuck, does give different benefits to different like um, character traits. So some of them can give bonus to charisma. Some can give bonuses to other like attributes that you have. Plus, develop different abilities and attacks. Um, so you would want to be strategic about what kind of items you utilize these runes with. And at the highest level, you can know five runes. So five of the six. You can never get all six. You can going. never get all six. Oh. You can only learn five. That's tough for me. Yeah. I'm just going, I'm, I'm looking at them right now. It's weird to me. Hill giants are the lowest, dumbest, most ridiculous. I saw that. But mm-hmm. yeah. And yet they have one of the highest requirements. Yeah. Right? Which They're is, one of the highest level requirements. It's interesting. Yeah. So, but I think it just ha- it speaks to like the abilities that you can get from them. And I should mention that you can actually carve them into not just weapons, but also like your armor, your jewelry, anything that you can hold with your hand, you can put a rune on, basically. Which I'm... Yeah, okay. Is that the rule, that to hold it with your hand? You have to be able to hold it with your hand. I mean, I can hold a battleship and... Well, you know what I'm I mean, sure, why not? Sure. <laughs> I'm going to touch this battleship and carve a rune in Holding this galleon. <laughs> Whoa, actually, no. I like. I think the idea is hold it, not touch it, right? So, like, like you couldn't actually imbue... Hold a boat. Yeah. yeah or, <laughs> or a carriage or something. Mm-hmm. Um, do any of them give you a bonus to strength? So, you like, you could... Or if you're like a furbolg, because they're kind of, they're kind of giant based, you get that extra like lift and carry thing. Suddenly you can lift a carriage and bang. There's That's this. the next one. Oh yeah, exactly. Could 
Yeah, exactly that. <laughs> like, if I could successfully deadlift this carriage, does that mean I can now put a rune on it? Yeah, a Furbolg or a Goliath with 20 into strength really complements this this subclass well, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Weirdly enough, none of them give you um, additions to strength. Well, fuck them. Yeah. Well, then what are we playing So here? you're basically adding, like, some of them do dexterity, some do um, wisdom, <laughs> some do charisma. All you need is a potion of hill giant strength, though, yeah. and then, boof, there 100%. you go. Right? Absolutely. Dude, you know, you can find those laying around anywhere, right? 100%. So this is stupid. <laughs> Anyways. Could you just stay positive? Um, otherwise, at third level, you also get giant might, which is basically, uh, you learn the might of giants. So as a bonus action, you can actually magically gain the benefits of a bunch of things. Um, such as if you are a smaller character, you can become larger. You become large. Oh. Yeah. Oh. So, oh, permanently? If you're smaller than large, you become large. Yeah, for one minute. Okay. So, so if you're smaller than large, you can become large. For one minute. This does give you advantage on strength checks and strength saving throws. And then once on each of your turns, uh, one of your attacks with weapon or unarmed strike yeah, can deal an extra 1d6 of damage. Okay. So, so basically, you, you you are a giant. Okay. All right. I like that. Yeah. But you can only use it as a number of times equal to your proficiency bonus. So it's kind of like your couple of times per. Fight. That's okay. Yeah. For, but the thing is, it's for one minute. So that's 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 that's, that's combat. That's a combat. That's a right. combat. That's all it takes. You don't have to use it that many times. <laughs> oh, Terry. Oh, Terry. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. So hold on. Put this multi-class this with a monk then. Yeah. Right with the unarmed strikes for that additional d6. Right because it'll stack on top of whatever it is they're doing. So high level monk dips into three levels of of rune knight. Yeah. And uh, that's pretty good. And a lot of yeah. times you are playing smaller characters that will suddenly become large. Yeah. If you were to like be playing a monk, right? But yeah. Um at 7th level you get runic shield, which is basically your protecting capability for your allies. So when another creature you can see within the 60 feet of you is hit with an attack roll, you can use a reaction to force the attacker to reroll their d20 and then they have to use that roll. This is like lucky. Exactly. Yeah. Right? Yeah, okay. Yeah. Sure. And okay. I don't hate it. Don't hate it. But again, if we're thinking fighters, you're getting feats as we're doing this. So it's it's okay at seventh level. Um, but it's the same thing. You can only use it equal to your proficiency bonus and then you get that back after a long rest. Long rests are big for rune knights. Yes. Right? Absolutely. Yeah. You need to be able to sleep. Fair. <laughs> 100%. As a rune knight, you need oh, to take Players are trying to sleep every 20 minutes in the cupboard <laughs> anyway. That's so true. it's fine. <laughs> Can we all squeeze in this uh, pantry here for eight hours? <laughs> no. <laughs> all right. Well, at 10th level, you get great stature. So basically, the runes will actually permanently alter your physical cape of being. And you roll 3d4, and you grow a number of inches equal to that height. So you you are taller. Even if you just get out of the pool? Yeah. <laughs> so know, even when it's cold. Do they know about <laughs> yeah. shrinkage? Yeah. <laughs> Like this, this does this apply to frosted giants? Like only is that, frost giants. Yeah. Uh, oh, right after exercise is a big deal as well because the blood goes to the important areas. This has come up more than once for me in my oh house. My I bet gosh. it has. Where I bet, yeah. where I bet, like get back from a run or something. I'm just gonna pop in the shower. Okay, I'm just gonna come in and talk to you about something. Whoa! Twenty minutes. Twenty minutes of air guitar and then we'll talk. Go on. Wow. A- air guitar in the shower? Like it's it's get the anyway. Go on. No 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 no. no. Hold on. Air guitar in the shower? We don't kink shame here. No, 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 no. This is not even a kink shame thing. <laughs> that is a, an excellent use of shower time. Is, is, is but I, I, I'm not even screwing around. Like, air guitar is an excellent use of, of shower time. Well, I mean, the, the, like, the shower I, I'm assuming you have a stereo going at the same time. 
I have like this. Or you just like. I think I've talked about the podcast before. My fantasy has always wanted to be a rock star, and I never got to do that. So I often will like sing in private and stuff like that in the bathroom. It's every single day, three times a day. Anyway, Megan, go on. I love that for you. The other thing. (laughs) Anime dark. Don't come at me. What a nerd. What a nerd. Fantasizes that he was in a band. Christ. It's a. It's adorable. Um. The added feature of great stature is that you do actually get extra damage to deal with your giant's might. You get an increase of 1d8. Okay. Yeah. That's good. So it goes up. Um, at 15th level, you get Master of Runes. So you are now a Master Rune Carver, and you can actually use your carving feature twice rather than once, and you regain all expended uses when you finish a short, short or long rest. Okay. So once you get to 15th level, long rest is not necessarily just as important. You can actually take a nap. And you're okay. I feel like that's coming late, but okay. I thought it's coming Especially late. Especially if you're well. going to be like cross, like like multi-classing or whatever. 15th level is a lot yeah. to get to, to be able to get that short rest option. But again, you're getting all that fighter shit. You're getting tons of feats. There's a whole bunch of other so shit. So many feats. But so many feats. Is that <laughs> Some of those feats are in shoes. It's that time in the game where, and those are the best ones. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's that time. Is it like high heels? Or just like, like, like leather boots? Uh, well, not... It's like like old dirty sneakers and doing it for you. Uh, it's just I just yeah. <laughs> there we go. You know Anyways. damn well what it is. I wish I had can't even talk. <laughs> Sorry, what were you saying? Master Master of Runes. You say Master of Runes. <laughs> Master of Runes, real quick. We already went over Master of Runes. Oh, we already did that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> The next one is at 18th level. I had an opinion of Master of Runes about Master of Runes that I okay. can't forget now. Okay, do you, want me to read, do you want me to tell you what Master of Runes is? I think I was just going to say like it comes late in the game or so. That's the time in the game where you're, you're, you're getting excited for your next big thing. Mm-hmm. And then it's this is uh, underwhelming. There's a lot like of Tinder stuff. Dates. There's a lot of stuff though. Yeah. I mean, most 5th edition subclasses are front loaded. Yeah. Right? And the classes are... I mean, it it depends on the class, if they're front, middle, or, or back-loaded. But most of the subclasses are front-loaded, so you can dip in with three, five, or, or seven levels and get it, right? So I don't, I just don't think they're expecting you to ever get this far. Yeah, it's like, okay, if you stick it out, here you go, but yeah. uh, whatever. But get ready for anticlimactic. Sure. Yeah. At 18th level. Speaking of Tinder profiles. You yeah, exactly. <laughs> I would love to read you what my Tinder profile is like. Yeah. Uh, Don't fucking trust Tinder. Okay. You're hoping that the person that walks in is the man or woman of your dreams and it's not going to happen. No, it's fair. Um, at 18th level, you get Runic Juggernaut, which sounds great. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, however, all it really does for you is it gives you 1d10 to your giant's might. Which is mm-hmm. cool. You yeah, get your okay. damage increase. Yeah, sure. Um, and then instead of increasing to the size of large, you can now increase to the size of huge. That's fucking awesome, though. I, yeah, I do like that. Cool. That yeah. is good. Yeah. And then when you are that size, you increase your reach by five feet. Hugely important. Especially reach. when you got, like, Polar Master on mm-hmm. top of that. Yeah. pretty cool. But that's your fighting, like, your one of your many feats. 100%. If you've got a, a, a Craig, a yeah. Albert, a whatever, Craig. You're, you're laughing. <laughs> fair, fair, fair. No, that's really good. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. But that is a rune night, my guys. I actually don't hate that. That is, like, I think the only way to get to huge. I, I could be wrong. The internet's going to yell at me. But, like, there are so few ways to get that fucking big. Right? I, I really 
I, I like that. I wish it came earlier, actually. You sl- <laughs> I'm setting you up, Terry. <laughs> That's what she said. Yeah. Oh, my Alexa. Because she's just bored at this point. Yeah. She's <laughs> like, you know, I've got third degree burns. And I'll blame it on a go-kart. You know what? That's, that's as exciting as my love life has been. <laughs> well. Anyways, let's let's grab dice. Text me. <laughs> let's grab dice. Let's roll. I have questions. I got a two. 14. 18. All right. So, Megan. Yeah. What stats, race, background, multi-class, what's the synergy that you immediately think of for these? Oof. Um, I would want to do a, I, I like, again, I like the idea of smaller characters suddenly being giants. Yeah. Like, it just, I love that idea. Yeah. So, uh, using like a halfling or like an elf that's only five feet or what have you, and all of a sudden they could become large or huge and use these strong capabilities. I enjoy that idea a lot. Just the juxtaposition of it seems like an idea for me. But I mean, again, the most natural one would be doing something like large, like a dragonborn or something. A Goliath, a Goliath and Furbol. Yeah. Something that's like, already large. But then again, if you're using something that's already large, you're not really tapping into the capabilities of You don't play in the contrast before. there. Exactly. Yeah. Right? So... What did I get? 14? Mm-hmm. Uh, I agree with Megan. Yeah, I would go small. Probably halfling. Get that lucky as well. Uh, and then when you want to play the other side, pop over and play the other side. Yeah, that makes the most sense for me. Yeah. I want to do this with an Aarakocra. Okay. Because I'm now I'm, I'm huge. Angry birds. Now I'm huge. Yeah. And I can fly. And then suddenly stop flying. <laughs> it's not a dragon <laughs> episode, Terry. Just saying. Stop talking about dragons. Just saying. You can pick them up, you can drop them, then suddenly stop flying, and also your uh, your other guy, the Psy Warrior, can drop a table. I really wish there was a whole bunch of rules about you automatically boost your strength by this much when you become this size, or you automatically get advantage on grapples, or you automatically get... Like, I want there to be listed out in this section all of these bonuses from getting that freaking large, yeah. right? Because there should be your... Your carrying capacity should go up, right? Your and what does this do to your weight when you do this on a rope bridge? Oh, right, like yeah. that's when you're getting creative. Like th- those incidents, like you're on a dangling rope or something, the enemy's trying to pull you down. But then yeah. you go huge. Like there's times when you got to think outside of the w- box. When when you are when you are getting in a duel, standing on a rowboat with the other guy, and you're just like, well, fuck it. Boom! Yeah. And then the both of you are in the water. The robot is gone. Yeah. Right? Like, this is... I wish there were codified rules for this. doesn't have to be complex. Just give me a, a strength modifier, a weight modifier, and a grapple bonus. Mm. Right? That's like a, a shove as well, I guess, because we talked about it earlier. Yeet. Yeah. I love it. Yes, the, the yeet. Anyways. Megan, in your opinion, what are the strengths of breath. the class? And uh, when it comes to role-playing, like, what do you lean into? I, I would say leaning into the... The ability to adjust the size of your character. That's the big takeaway on it's this, the right? Big ta- especially because it leans into the giant aspect of it. However, if I was to play one of these types of characters, I would then research giants and yeah. understand maybe like where I learned it. What giant family did I learn this from? What is the reason as to why I decided to go through this route? Because I feel like giants have a very, very long linded winded history that like i feel like you really need to hone into why it is that you understand giant and where that comes from sarah do you have anything for role playing i think with the understanding the history of giants that also suggests like a general interest in like 
like a historical kind of interest. So I would play this as an I would play this as an like an intelligent character, like a curious character. Yeah, yeah, and I mean history is it, it is one of the the skills that you can be proficient in yes. as a fighter. So that that fits. Yeah, it does. I'm going to lean into two things. One is if we're talking about runes, my guy's going to be tatted up. Mm. He's going to be all oh, about yeah, symbols and, and symbolism. Practicing and his own drawings on his own yeah. body kind yeah, of thing. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think he's going to be a bit of an artist as well. He may not be good at it, but he's got a little sketchbook around of him, like drawing the next room, figuring out exactly how to do it. And all sorts of little like rocks and shit where he has practiced carving into limestone or soapstone or clay or right like different. That That's going to be something that he's always doing. He's going to, to pull out the smith tools and then whatever um, material he's going to be consistently carving in. Wood versus rubies. Constantly right? whittling, constantly destroying in the ground. That's, like that the, kind yeah. of the stuff. The tattooed guy I need to meet, because I've got six skulls and three vegetables tattooed on one arm and an angel on my back that looks like a vagina. So anytime I can meet this guy. I have never seen this angel yeah, on my no, back no, that yeah, looks yeah, like a yeah, vagina. I have to see yeah. it now. Um, <laughs> so... Uh, it, Almost has something really inappropriate. <laughs> I gotta get, I'm moving well, worse on. than anything that's ever been yeah, said. Well, okay, I was going to ask. At is least... that so that Dan has something to look lovingly into the eyes of? <laughs> anyway, so let's move the fuck along. That is the worst thing in recent history. Yeah. Like the, what do they say? Like the, the modern era of this podcast has been very good. Yes. Yeah, so, <laughs> so um, <laughs> fuck me. So uh, the other thing that I would uh, really lean into with this is a hatred for dragons. Because giants and dragons aren't natural enemies. Yeah, you yeah. picked your and, side. Yeah, and you picked your side. So that's it. Like, you are all about giants. So down with dragons, down with trolls. Mm-hmm. Right? And uh, and if anybody ever calls you... If you are, like, channeling a hill giant somebody calls you dumb, I'm taking offense now. Right? Like, yeah. I, I would very much lean into the that giant perspective on the world. <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. Um... Any potential oversights or mechanical imbalances, Megan? I don't think so. I think the only thing that we kind of noted already was the fact that it is very front-loaded. Yeah. In the sense that you get a lot of abilities early, and I feel like this one bodes for either cross-classing or doing something different with it. Like, I feel like you wouldn't go all the way to the end with this kind of build. For me, there's no oversights with this one, but what I'm noticing now is we're really... I wouldn't say we're at the point of reaching, but it feels like we've reached the limits of fighter. Okay, we're getting really creative. It's like the we have like the giant one, and there's like the Psy warrior one, and it's like if if they're getting to this type of limit, it tells me that there's probably not going to be something like a grappling based one we talked about earlier, because that seems like a simpler idea, mm-hmm. and these are more complex ideas. Well, now. the grappling one I think has been covered in feats. There's a brawler feat and stuff, so like that's true. Be a fisticuffs character. That is true, yeah. but I feel like uh, I feel like this is it for fighters now. For fifth edition, I'd be surprised well, if they come up with anything else. Well, no, well, the thing that I'm expecting to see now is that they're going to look at the different creature types, the same way that we've got aberrant mind and now cyborg. These are aberration types, right? And we're heading in that direction for a lot of the subclasses. We're going to see a lot of giant type subclasses. So we're going to see a giant patron for a warlock, right? Mm-hmm. Because of course, it's going to be a storm giant quintessent patron. Sure, why not? Fair. But like that's the next place they seem to be leaning. And I feel like they would have given us a lot of the face stuff already because they just dropped um, Wild Beyond the Witchlight. Hmm. So I'm looking at what's coming next, and it is Spelljammer yeah. and Dragonlance. I'm excited for Spelljammer, though. So. Yeah, uh, I'm excited for both of those to a degree. Yeah. Um, I think we're going to see a lot of weirder psionic shit. 
Remember, I have said this so many times in the past this podcast. The moment we get into psionic shit is the moment the addition jumps the shark. Where it just starts to become power creep all over the place. It gets fucking weird. You can start to combine this and this and this. Now we can do psychic damage. That's great. Nothing is resistant to psychic damage. So it's a get out of jail free card, right? Suddenly, oh, you have fireball? Fuck you. Everything is, is resistant or immune to fire, right? There's no poison at all anywhere in the player's handbook because poison sucks. Everything is immune to poison. Yeah. Right? So I'm I'm curious to see what, what we're going to get next. I want to see what a construct fighter... Oh, shit. This and an artificer go hand in hand. Yep. Yeah. 100%. Oh, that didn't even occur to me until just now. Okay. Yeah. Okay, guys. So don't forget to like, subscribe, follow, whatever the button says on Instagram, Facebook, and at r slash it's a mimic on Reddit. You can reach out to us at info at itsamimic.com. Don't forget to include those mailbag questions. We love online reviews and positive comments as well because that really helps with our metrics and visibility. Okay, so before we wrap up this episode, let's talk about um, a creative build. What, what is the character that you would build with either the Psy Warrior or the Rune Knight? Let's grab dice and let's roll. Sure. Let's hope I don't go first. 13. 3. 14. Fuck, Shit. I went first. Shouldn't have said it. Shouldn't have said These it. These dice, they're not your friends. No. They do not like you. Absolutely Any not. of us they, when I say no, you. No, they don't. Yeah. Um, I came up with all my creative shit early, so here I, I am I hate it when you yeah. do that because you're rolling and then yeah. you just say your ideas because they're in your mind. Yeah. Um, I'm thinking about the uh, the Rune Knight in particular. I'm going to make a goblin. Okay. We said, you guys both said that you like the idea of a small creature. The goblin with giant worship mm-hmm. is, is a lot of fun for me. A goblin fighter is not something you often see. Yeah. Too, which is good. The, the idea of this little brawler creature, which uh, is is creative and interesting, and the ability to suddenly become big. It's it's all well and good to become a large halfling, but everyone's going to be like, "Oh wow, that's a big human, right?" When you get to become a goblin that's that big, it's going to be a little bit more uh, special. That you're going to stand out in the crowd a little bit more because you're not just a big bugbear at that point. You are a big ass goblin, mm-hmm. um, and I think that. Uh, it's very frightening. It's very frightening. Or hilarious, depending <laughs> on which which side of the table. How you're you look at, at it, yeah. Yeah. Um, when it comes to uh, the background for a rune knight, there's nothing that sticks out. Hermit, Outlander, those both make sense for yeah. someone that worships giants, right? Scholar's another one, but it doesn't really doesn't have the synergy I'm looking for. Mm-hmm. Um, there's not a really a background that sticks out, so I would pick. You know that they've got like archaeologist. <laughs> in, yeah. in Tomb of Annihilation, yeah. right? That's one. Of, and I'm thinking, if you're looking at runes and stuff, I'm thinking about who studies hieroglyphs. Yeah, and the other languages or X, Y, Z. Yeah, yeah, right. So maybe an archaeologist background from Tomb of Annihilation for a goblin. Oh, you could have a great backstory. Yeah, there, though, right? With like you know how it came about with like digging into whatever. Yeah, yeah, right. Or an anthropologist, I think, is the other one that's in there. Which I mean, like, I just think that's fun and neat, interesting of a goblin that just went digging and found runes and went. Oh, wait a minute. What? This is pretty cool. This yeah. is neat. I'm going to use these. Yeah. And started like drawing it with his filth because that's what goblins do. Yeah. And then just getting more inspired and getting better at it until finally they are now a rune knight. Yeah. Um, I would have a lot of fun with that, with that kind of character. Mm-hmm. I also think it would be annoying as balls mm-hmm. because I should never be able to play a goblin. 
Mm-hmm. Fair. No, I agree. One hundred percent. Yeah, I will. I will steal every scene or try to. Yeah. It would just be me and Dan in a pissing contest every single session, and I would hate it. Yes, yes, yes. You. I absolutely would hate it. Yeah. Um. Who is next? Oh, Terry. You That's me. me. I'm okay. I'll stick with my subclass for the day, which was Psy Warrior, and I've used this um this race before, but I'm going to do it again. I've got to go Protector Asmar, where you get the fly anyway. Because a, a, a flying ASMR that can fly further just as the, a bonus action or as their action or whatever it was that can also do telekinetic shit from the sky now is a fu- it's a bit min maxi but it's a fucking DM's nightmare. If I showed up at the table is, yeah. as a flying ASMR telekinetic uh, force shield psi warrior, you'd sending be like, down these mental mind bombs, you'd just yeah. be like, just fuck off, just well, get away from and me. And the other thing too is you can fly thirty feet, right? So you can just fly up. To the next, to like to that ledge, and then you just bring your friend with you, yeah, right, because you have it's a willing creature. It's it would, and it, it does become it's like a video game at that point, right? It just yeah. feels like a video game platform game, but it would be great background. I didn't even think too much about because it was so heavy already. Like I would probably do like like a I like folk hero, uh, yeah. especially for these really crazy type characters because uh, I would maybe play them as a little bit of a mystery. I wouldn't be not edge lordy, but more like. Uh, hidden until it's like time, you know. Fair enough. Very cute. Thanks, but I see what you did there. Like you disguised <laughs> that, you disguised that as a compliment, but but you know fine well that I'd rather that you just went. That is so manly. Like, <laughs> that's what I want to hear, Terry. You're definitely not a coward. Like you're. <laughs> you know I can't say that. <laughs> um, I would go with a. So I, I know I said that I would enjoy playing a one of these giants rune knights as a yeah. smaller character to take advantage of the size differentiation. However, I would love to build a bugbear mm. rune knight only because bugbears get sneaky and surprise attack. Yeah. Which I think would be amazing. Yeah. To add into being a fucking rune fighting knight that has giant strength and just mauling people uh. over with a surprise attack. That's really fun. Like, how fun would that be? Just seeing this fucking bugbear tiptoeing in the background. <laughs> just... <laughs> and then, and then boom, big. Right? Yeah. Like, hiding behind the pillar, peeking out from behind it. Yeah, and it's like, surprise! No, I love it. I think love it'd be it. a lot of fun. Do you guys have any final thoughts on fighters before we wrap it up? My final thought would be, this is the first time I've seen fighters get a little bit more complex. Yeah. Where Well, the bat- the Battlemasters. Battlemasters, sure. Yeah. Uh, but you've got to... There, there's great abilities, but you, it's, it's, this is the first time I guess that I would say this is not for like a first time player fighter. Like you've got to think about this a little bit. And if you're brand new to the game, you probably don't want to be like a Psy warrior. There's a lot, it's like with great power comes great responsibility type thing. Like your, your team, if it's an experienced team is going to be expecting you to yeet them up the ledge and it's going yeah. to be a certain time when you need to fly. You've got to be, make sure that you're tactically sound with that. So yeah. Just a, not a first or, time. Or if it is your first time, start at level one yeah. and with a slow progression. Sure. Because by the time that you get this sixth level, seventh level abilities and shit like that, yeah. you've learned by that point what you can don't do. Don't do that. Everybody build a tenth level character type yeah. thing. Yeah, yeah, that's not going to work. Yeah. And I don't think anyone who's doing a table where people are like first time players are going to say, build me a tenth level character. So I would hope not anyways. I'd be like, I'm sure it's happened. I'm like, fuck you. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> Do you have any final thoughts, Megan? I am not big on fighters. I, it's not my favorite. 
thing Come to play. Come on, Megan. It feels like sometimes we're so close. I know. And then it's like we're almost best friends. And then we're just like, nah. <laughs> Which is amazing because your last character was a paladin and your current one is a monk. Yes. You'd think that fighter would be right there, it's but right it isn't. there. I don't know. I and just feel like. I think you need to, to investigate to really roll around on those feats a little bit. And I really out. need to start reading more about feats. Yeah. And really just diving into what feats mean for me. Totally. <laughs> what a feast. You nailed it. What a feast. Mean. It's inexplicable. What a feast mean for anybody. Only Why? Toes. It makes no sense. <laughs> no, I, and maybe I do. Maybe I just feel like sometimes they're over complex for what they actually are. And then it just becomes annoying. But I feel like a fighter is the kind of character that you build as your first character. Like you're like, fighter is the it, simplest yeah, thing to build. So to is. your point, these ones are when it gets to being a little bit more complex. You can add a little bit of history to them. There's giant history. There's you're using your brain mind and your intelligence versus just your fisticuffs. Your brain mind. <laughs> <laughs> so I feel like these do add a little bit more depth, which is starting to interest me, but it still hasn't pulled me quite a bit. When you go back to fighter, that's when you do this. Yeah. I'm at that point now. I feel like I want to go back. And then do something more in depth. I gotta go back. I gotta do this. To my to my roots. <laughs> um, one of the things they talk about in Xanathar's is the idea of a heraldric sign. Mm. Right? What the symbol on your banner. What do you do for your subclass? Oh, for Psy Warrior? What do you do? For so, Megan, you go first. Not to throw you under the bus, but I'll throw you under the bus. You go first. For what to put on my banner if I yeah. was to be a, a, rune, a knight. rune knight? Yeah. Oh man, it would just be like a compilation of the different runes. Like Perfectly put together. In my head, it's Monty Python with the big foot. Yeah. That just like 100%. comes down like the giant foot. So many feet. So many feet. <laughs> <laughs> Mine must be. It's not an eye. That's telepathy. It's. I don't know. I feel like it'd be like a hand or something. It's something that. So it's the Wi-Fi symbol. The Wi-Fi symbol. I mean, <laughs> that's shit. fucking perfect. Yeah. Yeah. A brain yeah. with the Wi-Fi symbol. But but, but but the dot in the bottom is a skull. Yeah. Right? Like, oh, yeah. I, oh, I, like oh I love it. Yeah, yeah, the Bluetooth symbol or something. Yeah, I like that's it. That's Norse in its back. Well, okay. Yeah, but that's more rune night than it is. Okay, fuck off, Megan, all the time. <laughs> Showed up telling me that my ideas are shit and kink shaming me all the time. I am not. I do not kink shame. Oh, Terry's... A, <laughs> all right, so so that's all for this discussion on fighters. Fuck. We've got a lot more ground to cover with lots of other classes and subclasses, so subscribe or follow and check back regularly to see what inspirations and insights we'll have for you in the future. Next week, we'll be returning to our conversation on trolls. Speaking, uh, speaking of giants. That's great. Speaking of social media. Mm-hmm. Thanks for listening to another episode of the It's a Mimic podcast. If you'd like to support us, we have a donate button on our website at www.itsamimic.com, as well as a store for some awesome merch. We also rely on word of mouth to get news of the podcast out there to the community. So please pass the word to everyone you know that we are available on iTunes, Spotify, and YouTube, as well as most podcast apps. Thanks again for listening to the It's a Mimic, where you never know what you're going to get. Listening to the It's a Mimic. Wait, wait, yeah, okay. To the It's That's a Mimic. That's it. They get it. <laughs> wait, wait, you get it, right? Wait, you never know where you're going to wind what? up. Wait, shit, you never I know. know. Where you're going to wind up. I just work here, okay? <laughs> <sighs> this has been an It's a Mimic production. Inquiries, requests, and questions for our mailbags can be sent to info at itsamimic.com. If you could master any ancient fighting style, not gun, Megan, 
What what style would you master? <laughs> yeah, I yeah, Megan. <laughs> I think I just think women typically are more efficient at things. You'd be like, I'd sh- fucking shoot you. That's what I would do. But oh. I mean, I don't know. Sorry, what was the, what was the question? I was if so you focused. could master any, I'll do the same hand actions. Any ancient fighting style, <laughs> which one would you master? I don't know. I just like martial arts in general. I would just... I, I like, suppose karate. Yeah. I, like, you know, like, I, if I could be better at karate, that would be great. Yeah. Yeah. I, does gunpowder count? Like, can I blow shit just up? Just the powder. Just the powder. Yeah. Like, like, can I be proficient with barrels of boom? I like to be proficient in making dynamite. <laughs> sure. Does that, does that work? Because I would totally just blow shit up all the time. Like, I would set up little... Little traps all around my house and then dare people to come at me. Right. That that's an Adam move. Yeah, mm. that's how you you certainly. I didn't blow later. myself or you up. You blew you up. That's that's what's happening here. I'm just gonna sit back. And <laughs> Who are you? The IRA. Yeah. The fuck Absolutely. Absolutely. Technically, you triggered the bomb yourself. Yeah. So sorry. <laughs> uh, Megan's answer was chemical warfare. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I would, absolutely, 100%. I would maybe just do sword and shield, but like gladiator style. Short sword, I think I would enjoy that. Yeah. Short shield, too? The short shield as well, yeah. And just that tiny little shield short that covers shield only the forearm, and that's about it. You're like, yeah. what's the goddamn It's point? important. What's, what's Your forearm point? is important. <laughs> you know, I, want to, I, I want to be that badass motherfucker that's proficient with the trident and net. Mm. Like, what is that shit about? How did you... Oh my god, a whip. I know, I know that you like whips whoa, 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 in D&D, whoa, 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 but like, that whoa, whoa, would be dope. I like whips. <laughs> Yeah, in all areas of my life. <laughs> <And> <laughs> We're going to kink shame. If I walk into a room and there's a whip there, I don't care what's happening with it. I'll probably like it. <laughs> I have to touch it. <laughs> yeah. That's going to be our new soundbite for Megan. I have to touch it. I have to touch it. Oh, my yeah. goodness. Smell the leather. Okay, I'm going to need a drink for this before you do that, though. <laughs> Does anybody need a beverage? I could use another one. Yeah. What have we got? Is there anything weak in there? This beer was seven percent. I didn't realize. This, this, this is four percent. Oh, I want to. I want to. If you it's, it's lavender. Do you want lavender? You, well, do you mind if I try one? Yeah, absolutely. Want to, okay. Do you want to try? Sure. Thank you. Go for it. What would you like? Thanks, a man. Guinness, please. I want to chew my next drink. Okay. You want? A, you want a whole loaf of bread? Yes, please. Oh, this is a mood. A lavender sour. I actually did see this in the liquor store that I saw you at. Earlier. <laughs> There was only one pack Thank of four you. left, and I was so excited. I did look at it. Imagine if I bought it, you would have been disappointed. I would have been so mad. But then I would have showed up with it. <laughs> God damn, Megan. What the fuck are you doing over there? This is going on the recording. I'm drinking two beers at once. Do you like it? Oh, yeah. Okay. Oh, that's like summer. It smells like summer outside as well. I'm so excited. Can't wait for the three days of summer we'll get in Vancouver. What's this outside you speak of? <laughs> this is my first time leaving the house in like two weeks, other than D&D. <laughs> Thanks for listening. Bye.